Welcome to the Ether. Today is Saturday, August 20th, 2022. Today on the Ether, confess your sins with Coach Bruce Wrangler. Let's take a listen. Hey, uh, we're good, thank you. Um, this is a confessions roundtable, so do you have anything to confess? Just imagine that uh, rather than the, the priest being a person, he's the entire group. No, I don't have anything to confess, but how is your weekend going, uh, Bruce? It's good, thank you. But uh, let's maybe try and respect the spiritual sanctity of the space and, and just do pure confessions. All right, I will. Thank you very much. Hmm. I know what it is. I think people are afraid to be vulnerable in 2022. I think people don't want to be seen to be weak, uh, to be somehow fragile, to be failures. I think there's a culture of, of acting strong and pretending you are more than you really are. Because we are all imperfect in God's eyes. You're damn right. Hey, Grills. Yes. Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm good. Do you have anything to confess? It, okay, let me see. I join a, what, just anything? Or are we doing uh, why I'm still a virgin? Or what are we talking about? No, we're, we're just here to appreciate the, the essential imperfection of human beings. I see. Well, I was prepared to talk about why I was a virgin a lot longer than I probably should have been. Um, but I, I can confess about anything you'd like me to. Well, I think that's fine. I think that's a confession. I'm an extremely shy individual. Um, and so, especially when it comes sexually. Um, so I, I, I was a virgin quite longer than I think. It, it would surprise, I think, most people. Mm, so um, let's try and make them more specific. Sure. So I would guess that you were a virgin until maybe um, yeah. 33. 23 uh no not that long jesus coach give me more credit than that so uh was that was that right or wrong uh, wrong I, I so like probably let me think here i'm old for my grade uh i'm say like 18 almost 19 this is this is one of the least surpri- least surprising confessions i've heard in a while <laughs> statistically i think there's still plenty of people who are virgin until they're 18 but I didn't understand. So you were a virgin until 19, was that? Well, I, I think nowadays, I think you'd be surprised. Uh, are you pretty in tune with like how, well, I guess it's kind of flipped, but because um, all we have all these incels now and everybody just hangs out online. But for a while, no, there, no. there's like, I'm, the I'm not very, in, I'm not very in tune with child sex. Yeah. Well, child on child, I would say that the general consensus is that like, People were having sex a lot earlier, but then lately, since everybody's online, they're not now. No, no, I've read all the studies. Um, What's up? It, it, it Males over the last like 20 years, steadily less and less sex and later ages of sex. 
females around the same. So basically, uh, less and less males are sleeping with the same females. Yeah, the females, the, the the females are the same females are having sex with more partners, but a segment of society is missing out on that. Exactly. So I think in the past there used to be small uh, tribal situations of, of maybe ten to twenty uh, human beings. So there'd be no real choice about who you breeded with. But now we have TikTok, we have uh, social media saturation, we have social networks, that mm. we have. We have uh, geolocation dating apps so it allows uh girls to be sleeping with many many more men than they were previously because they know they can identify the alpha males um so it's like it's like a, a buffet for women but it's a sad sorry lonely situation for men like right the, the guys who are comfortable with that and they're cool with that they they can master that game like they the, the guys who don't care if they're the 50th round this week but the guys who aren't and they're looking for monogamy and love and stuff like that, they're just washed out of the market. Mm -hmm. So in 1960, by age 21, the girl would have slept with an average of 1.5 men. Um, and now, uh, by 21, the girl has slept with an average of around 50 men. Yeah, and you see those weird trends on uh, TikTok and whatever where they're just listing them all on their screen. 50? You said 50 men by 21? Yeah, not not um, necessarily full penetration, but the studies are, are on just all sexual acts, so oral sex as well. So you said there, there's a, a a small subgroup of women that got the 50 number, and then there's a, a larger majority that have a lesser number or zero or to one number? No, no, 50 is average, um, but there's a very high, there's a very long tail on the right-hand side. So some women just, just uh, they turn any kind of attention on social media into copulation um and there's not so many on the left hand side so the median is kind of skewed but the average is 50. i wow. like to blame modern technology and medicine that allows for uh you know deformities in humans to diminish um and that nowadays the 1.5 percent does not exist because there's less and less midgets around i don't know like like maybe you can speak on that as a midget yourself do do we have any midgets here? Well, that can, um, would any uh, would any midgets like to come up to the stage? Uh, yes, any half men, please stand up and get a stool. Yeah, <laughs> stool for sure. Um, have, what what's the height requirement to be be a midget? Is it like five foot and under? Uh, four four foot nine. I think I think that it's a shame that they haven't opened that up to other heights. I just think it's a darn shame for the age that we're in that we can't all be midgets i mean really i i actually really like midgets a lot although all of them that i've met are, have a very positive outlook on life um which is interesting hmm. I, I believe you're right yeah i believe you're right and i believe a lot of people here are very small people um because if we were bigger we probably would have succeeded more in the conventional career ladder um there's a lot of studies saying you weren't around two to five thousand more dollars a year for every additional height every additional uh, inch in height right and ceos tend to be taller six foot two six foot three and as you go up the fortune 500 companies to even bigger uh, annual turnovers they get even taller and taller up to yeah, around like the, 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 the dang nephilim i think it's it's a kind of um innate um maybe built in genetically through the genetic modification of the anunnaki um that we are just destined somehow 
by genetics to to worship large human beings because the Anunnaki so, were around nine yeah. feet. Yeah, but it's the half angel progeny that really control the Fortune five hundred. I concur with that. Uh, I myself being three inches above what's considered a legal uh, midget you know, in the American measurements of five being five feet. Um, you know, the only thing that's kept me above the rest is just generalizing. Like I keep men to, I shrink men's uh, penile erections and I cause them to basically um circumcise themselves by mm. pointing my desk and chair higher up so when i call them into the office they tend to feel very insignificant so you're midget adjacent um but as coach said everyone in here is probably pretty small i mean 18 of you fit on my screen i think that's true <laughs> that people who fail to climb up the conventional career ladder, who fail to derive respect from women and other males in their lives, and even the animals they have, the pets, uh, who get uh, attacked by dogs frequently, they tend to avoid normal social spaces and, and normal places of, of occupational hierarchies where you need to climb up and compete. I think people like that tend to turn to Twitter. Uh, they tend to turn to TikTok. They tend to turn to other spaces where they can act like they're much taller than they really are. But it's human nature to want to climb up a hierarchy. That's why people empowerment are always seemingly taller because they are climbable. Well, I'm, that's the only reason why I'm a speaker, so I can pop to the top of your screen. <laughs> um, so you're saying if you're a if you're on the lower stature, you're destined for middle management basically the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, look at Adam and Chris down there. They're way on the bottom of our hierarchy right now. And this is the opportunity that we're in the virtual world. That's the great equalizer. They could be speakers and rise to the top, but they just haven't mm. taken that step. This is, this is really to do with self-concept, right? So um, the interesting thing about the internet is it's like uh, communism. There's a kind of a total uh, equality of who you can become. The, the personas you can portray, the performance you can put on, the, the social status you can gain. But at the same time, uh, people down here, the listeners, uh, Kithik, Adam, Richard, uh, you, Ra, all these people, they have a kind of a self-concept of themselves as lowly human beings. And that is derived, it's a kind of a relic, a fossil um, from their incarnation in real life, right? Their, their meat vessel life. But um, it's funny because nobody knows. It's, it's entirely their self-concept that is determining that. And their imagination, their willingness to, to lean over um, their own self-concept is what can liberate them. So you're saying that those that took the cream risen to the top? I'm saying uh, the means to your, your liberation and to your manifestation as a greater human being, a human being who's respected online, uh, is your imagination. Um, and people at the bottom here, people who choose to be listeners, are really failing to imagine themselves as being more than they really are. I bet, um, you know, Deep Reply down there is just, they have this concept of themselves as a nobody. They haven't even picked a PFP, and they could be anything, anything at all. I mean, I'm like a cyber rooster with a thumbs up, and in, in real life, I'm a a zombie cow doing jive hands and but this is who i want to be right now but i bet deep reply do you have i bet you might have a deep reply to this topic 
why don't you come on up and see what it's like in the spotlight? King of the Heap. We scare him off. I think people need to realize that what this online world is, what this world of web uh, three decentralized economies really is, um, is a place where you can reimagine yourself. It's a place where looks, where height, where salary, uh, where all of these um, things where conventional judgments disappear. And we can be absolutely anyone we want to be. And I think that that is free. And the only thing you need to do to to embrace that freedom, to to carve out your path as a new person, a new identity in this online realm, is to let go of who you previously thought you were. Yeah, I agree with that. Who That's is? why I've, I've put aside Spin Gricket, and you know me as Grin Spicket. Oh, I like that. Coach, I'm curious, have you ever gone undergone ego death? Um, it depends what you mean by it, right? Because it's quite a big umbrella term, but probably. But what do you mean by it? Well, just a reformation of your self-identity based on a traumatic experience of just you had to let go of your self-identity and um, become nothing. Um, <clears throat> during, during meditation retreats, which I did a lot of, Basically, I had a very kind of, um, uh, I call it like a depressive phase or a phase of really, really high stress where I was running a few businesses. And um, although I did well, like in a conventional sense, like it was bringing in money and stuff, I was like totally overloaded. I think people sometimes underestimate what it's like to to run businesses, right? They think it's like a, a free thing. But for me, like entrepreneurship and founding businesses and running them was like, 10 times as stressful right because you've got your your customers your partners your investors your suppliers you've got everyone pulling at you and then things go wrong and you're the only one who needs to fix them um anyway i had this like phase of just more and more stress was building up insomnia um uh, i'd have like panic attacks and things uh i'd live like kind of a private life of just extreme stress that wouldn't turn off um where i was just like more and more unhappy and more and more burned out and i hit a point where i was like i've got to do something about this so i signed up to uh, like a, a buddhist meditation retreat in the uk they're called um goenka retreats you can look this up i think it's um dharma.org goenka retreats they're like 10 day meditation retreats where you go you hand over your phone you hand over all of your technological possessions and your your wallet and everything else and you take a kind of a, a pledge to do 10 days in silence where you wake up at 4 a.m every day um, and you you pledge to meditate for about 16 hours a day. There's kind of a gradual um, progression of the technique, how you're taught and stuff. Um, so I signed up to this. I just like decided like I need a big change. Everything I've tried, all the supplements, all the hypnosis, all whatever else just wasn't working at all. So I signed up to this, this meditation retreat um, and I went. And yeah, like to cut a long story short, at the end of that, that first meditation retreat, I had, I'd say like an initial um glimpse or experience where i had this realization after all kinds of hell and, and emotional chaos and stuff i had the realization that everything i'd previously considered to constitute my sense of me so the thoughts and the sensations um and, and the perceptions of myself that i considered to be me maybe my thoughts and the contractions in my body and stuff like that all of that stuff that i had previously considered to be me uh, was realized all to be um, impersonal arisings uh, within experience or consciousness or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and in that way, like what I considered to be me, like like maybe my most intimate thoughts, 
and and the contractions in my chest and whatever else uh, were in a way just as impersonal as as birds in the sky or traffic going past or the sensation of a feather or whatever else right so so I had a kind of a transition where it, it moved from like a deeply personal and this is me and this is me I need to be protected my thoughts need to be protected my self-identity needs to be protected um, to kind of transcending that and just seeing uh, all thoughts as just like stuff that's coming through or stuff that's showing up and also another shift there was like um, a sense of, of moving from being the originator or the generator or the owner of thoughts um, and sensations to to just like this this open space of receiving right so my experience of life now is is like I don't really feel like a person anymore I feel like I'm the, the the presence or the the open space or the spaciousness that receives the thoughts, that receives the the sensations, that receives the perceptions, and and unconditionally accepts them. Right? It's the it's like the the pure knowing. It's, it's there's been a transition from from uh, me feeling as if I'm a, a person in the world, navigating a mind and a body, controlling it as my own thing, to to something like a a, a spacious kind of boundless presence in which the mind and the body arise for whatever reason, like just by pure coincidence, if you like, or by pure grace. Wow. That's amazing. So um, just out of curiosity from my learning perspective, did you achieve, you didn't achieve that on your first meditation retreat. You said you kind of started to get there towards the end of the 10 day uh, well, retreat. It's, it's interesting because, um, it, it seems like if you head down any kind of spiritual path and really commit yourself, you will always get glimpses, right? So, mm -hmm. so, um, and this happens on like psychedelic trips too and, and different things like shamanic drumming or whatever the fuck else you want to do. Um, it's like, I'd often get to a point where I was like in so much struggle, in so much despair. Like if you can imagine going from zero meditation to doing it 16 hours a day, um, monks are fucking warriors, right? Like, like to, to sit with yourself and not run away is pretty much what everyone in this world is avoiding, right? We all are kind of powered by this sense of perpetual boredom, this perpetual restlessness. We move from task to task. Like, and, and if we look inside ourselves, what we're really doing is kind of, a lot of the time, just kind of running away from what is. Or we have this idea that, that life is somehow like a problem to solve. Or we feel incomplete or like we need to get somewhere. We feel like when we get somewhere, something will be resolved, right? Um, we're, we're kind of always in this sense of, of momentum and movement and the idea that that either this moment now is incomplete or or some next moment will be more complete. Um, there's always this sense of movement, of running away. And, and to be a monk, to just surrender completely to whatever this is, right? It's it's to to face it fully, to stop running away. In a way, it's to, to end the war, like the, like the main war, not, not a, you know, a battle between armies, but the battle between... Uh, yourself, a part of yourself, the aspect of yourself that's running away and the part of yourself that, that is inducing the, the feelings of aversion and avoidance and whatever else. Um, so, but it, it's interesting because I had like enormous struggle on this first retreat, enormous like emotional chaos, like all of my breakup kind of traumas and all my childhood traumas kind of came up and I found myself just like sitting there crying for, for days um, like unending and, and just extreme anxiety and dread and like existential terror and falling into a void and, and just like uh, feeling parts of myself kind of um, evaporating and, and dissipating and just like 
falling into a bottomless pit of sorts. Um, so I went through all that. And then like right at the point at which I felt like the most terror was where I had the biggest breakthroughs. Um, and one of those breakthroughs was like, I call it like an initial insight um, or a kind of uh, mm, like a, maybe a glimpse, like a, a temporary portal into to seeing how life could truly be perceived right so so the sense of of um being this this presence this hereness this nowness that just receives um all of life all of these sensations all of these perceptions all of the mind and the body um and and how everything was just in a way completely equal um a complete like crystal clear bright luminous um, homogeneousness throughout all of experience, like all of experience as a kind of a gift, something uh, given by grace, um, something that arises uh, for no reason other than it's just like a gift or grace. Um, so I had like this initial experience of like, okay, this is uh, this is like a, a true or a clear way to see life and the old kind of way that was embedded in the narrative self in in the sense of of a mind and a, and a self navigating reality was kind of shattered. And uh, after that, like, although it kind of went back, it was like, I never really believed in the old thing again, right? So I could get caught in, in like mental stories and, and things, but it never had the same stickiness ever. Um, in a way, I, I guess you'd call um, something like the, the progress of spiritual insight as a kind of a decrease of, of stickiness, right? So um, you go from a person who is who is like, say, some some event happens in the world, someone wrongs you, something happens like that, right? You go from a person who just like whirs and spins when that happens to somebody who, when it occurs, it, it might have a little bit of, um, it might cause a little bit of emotional volatility and and annoyance and anger, but then it's just like it's gone after a minute. It just doesn't stick because the the, the basic concept of yourself of being somebody who can be wronged, of being like an independent separate self who can be wronged by others and others have these bad intentions towards us and whatever the fuck else. That fundamental thing is 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 kind of, it's seen through, like it's it's shattered. When you see through it in a big way, when you have some kind of big insight, it's like the old the old way of seeing the world, the old way of operating, the old way of piloting this, this kind of uh, vessel that we find ourselves in can never completely reform. It, it can never develop the same sense of reality because we've we've expanded to a to a higher state, right? We've um, we've seen that that life doesn't require uh, a sense of self, a mind, or a sense of possession of the body to function. Uh, life itself functions as as pure being, and everything that comes is just like an arising, an impersonal arising within consciousness. It's like trying to form a Voltron without the green lion. Say that again. It's like trying to form. The full Voltron without the green lion. I'm not. I'm not nerdy enough to know what that means. Agreed. Uh, what's the longest retreat you've gone on, Coach? Um, so in in late 2016, 2017, uh, I did this this first like two week retreat, and then um, after I did that, I had like such a profound experience by the end of it. Like I just described it, I had this kind of chaos and then suffering and then like extreme kind of warrior phase of battling myself. Um, and then at the end of it, I had this like break breakthrough, this glimpse. And at the end of that retreat, when I had this glimpse and I kind of, I lived in this state for a couple of weeks, right? Just like this 
this it was like I'd, I'd been completely reborn on some level it was like there was a total mental shift um and it felt like i don't know i think i said to to kt in one of our conversations like it felt like i was like floating two inches off the ground like just life became just effortless um no no suffering at all uh it just felt like my whole experience was somehow like just like mm, crystalline uh glass just utterly smooth all the way through just just like yeah just just somehow like more alive and more real than i'd ever been um and then like that that kind of persisted quite quite strongly and um at that point i realized that like what i discovered in that retreat was was more interesting was was making me more curious and was more fascinating and was more meaningful and more real than any of the business stuff i'd ever done Right, so uh, there was a point there where there was like there was a kind of a synchronicity of sorts, where um, I sold my part of the business I had was invested in um, that I founded, and I kind of moved on, uh, and I just committed myself fully to going living in a monastery. Um, I just coach is this coach is this when uh, you mastered the uh, captains of crush grippers? Um, actually. Repped out the world record for the uh, for the deadlift while using a, a double overhand grip. So, coach, did you find it difficult to maintain that higher level of meditative state? I I, I uh, totally relate with what you were saying there at certain moments in time, but I felt it I feel it difficult to almost maintain that level of I don't want to call it euphoria or oneness uh, throughout a kind of daily schedule. Mm. Later. Hold, 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 hold on, hold, hold on here. Hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. I asked Coach Bruce a question. Coach Bruce, he, he he answered you, man. No, he he did not. He was on me. He did answer you. It was a transmission, man, and you didn't. If you're not picking it up, you got to get on the right wavelength. Coach, I picked Bruce, it up. It's Coach, like I picked up what he was putting down. Wait, like, wait, wait. It's, it's I, like I, guitars in a room, right? So yes. if you play a string on one guitar. The the the, yeah. the related string on the other guitar will start vibrating at the same frequency, but I if see. the second guitar has no strings, then obviously it won't vibrate. It'll just sit there like a dead That's fucking. Yes. Uh, Coach hey, Bruce, hey, Coach, are you talking about Vipassana, Craig? You're talking about Vipassana meditation, where it's like a yeah. week retreat, right? Yeah, I yeah. did that for two weeks, and it was life changing. Um, I actually found the I have the pamphlet in my hand um, that I got the well, day like I could go one. Going to retreat. And it's and it's been there ever since ever since that retreat. You've clutched that pamphlet. You're not letting go. He's um, well, it says there's some rules here. It says to abstain from killing any being, to abstain from stealing, no sexual activity, no telling lies, no intoxicants, mm-hmm. no eating after midday, uh, no sensual entertainment and bodily decortion. What does that mean, coach? Uh, that that's the 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 precepts or the booklet they give you when you're an absolute beginner, when you still believe in this idea of the separate self. Um, later on, when you transcend, when you have these spiritual insights and you realize that everything is your own self and everything is nothing at the same time, uh, seamless, boundless, um, limitless awareness that is all that is, uh, only ever now and only ever um, only ever this this exact moment, this 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 current arising, this present moment. When you get to that stage. Then you can kill wildebeest, bite the neck of pigs. Coach, uh, did you find that you know during your retreat, 
uh, listening to Enya during your meditation? Do you find that that uh, has helped you to reach uh, this uh, state of uh, ultimate perfection and wisdom? I, from my experience, you weren't allowed to listen to music or at all. Like um, it was 4 a.m. wake up call, uh, meditate from 4.30 to 6.30, breakfast from 6.30 to 8, 8 a.m. to 9, group meditation again. So pretty much you're meditating the entire day and then lights out at 9.30. You're not allowed to even look at people in their eyes. You get slapped for Enya. No, the thing, the thing, the thing is, uh, I know Coach Bruce has this technique where he's able to physically manifest uh, any image or sound that that he so chooses. And Coach Bruce goes beyond uh, the limit of our dimensions and uh, even thinking. Like we can't be putting in, we can't be putting in uh, Coach Bruce inside a box because um, he doesn't exist within uh, our space time. And uh, that's why the space is called Join and Confess. And uh, my confession is that, um, you know, I thought I was uh, a disciple of excellence under Coach Bruce. And um, it seems that I'm barely just beginning the, uh, the transformation of, uh, of what it is um, to be a man. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's what I have uh, to confess. Uh, I find myself completely weak and, um, I went to the gym today and, uh, I failed. I failed to set on the deadlift. I failed, uh, to double overhand, uh, 300 kilos. Um, and, uh, I was severely embarrassed, uh, when a woman. Um, so I've removed him from speakers because I think it's. I don't know. I think we were having a nice little sharing here. And um, I think this has just gone to a recycling, a kind of an endless groundhog day of the usual spaces Wabby hosts. I'd like to recommend a book. Well, if I have the opportunity, uh, it's called The Quiet Mind by John Earl Coleman. And it's an autobiography of a man who worked for the early CIA and found his way to Burma where he met a meditation master that changed his life. And also that, that led to the same lineage of meditation as the Goenka Vipassana retreat that coach Bruce was talking about, but it's a very readable, very human book about, you know, somebody searching and, uh, and trying a variety of different meditative and spiritual techniques before they find themselves circling back to this Vipassana sort of teaching, it's a, it was interesting and really um, caught my, my uh, curiosity and, and made me want to explore more that realm at a time when I was deeply materialistic and didn't think that I could meditate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've never heard of it, um, that particular book. It was on Scribd. That's where I read it. And I can't remember who recommended it to me. But uh, again, that's uh, The Quiet Mind by John Earl Coleman. And uh, it's a nice sort of soft introduction to uh, finding peace through looking inwards. Yeah, I was going to answer um, Weber's questions, but he's gone now, so maybe not. So I'll confess something. My earlier today, I'm traveling. My wife texts me and says she's calling nine one one, and uh, I didn't get as scared as I maybe I should have because you hate to hear of your loved ones in distress when there's nothing you can do about it. But I didn't, I didn't really get too worried this time. And I 
kind of played like a a game on my phone until I could get an update of of what on earth had happened. Does she do this a lot? Uh, call the police? No, not a lot, but it, but it tends to happen at times when I am great distances away. Like maybe a kid of mine will fall off of a slide and land eight feet on his head on concrete. Um, and there's just so little that I can do. And maybe it's a, actually a good sign that I'm not just panicking, you know, or pulling my hair out. Maybe, or maybe I'm getting inured to it, but it does tend to happen when I'm not around. I think it's a good thing. I also think if you, if you, if you believe in the basic, like, interconnectedness of the universe, um, especially between, like, partners, it's probably just, like, a calming force. Maybe, but also I don't get much time to myself. And I had a few minutes to myself and it was a good little game. It's called Shattered. And if you have Netflix subscription and an Android phone, they've got some really good games that you can download and play without ads and stuff from the Netflix app. It's probably an underutilized feature. And this is like Shattered Remastered. It's like Breakout from the 80s, but um, but much shinier and... Uh, cooler with more features and stuff and i played it like 10 years ago on pc so i was excited it showed up on my phone i love my wife though do you leave the house often and go on long road trips to play games on your phone no not often and generally speaking if i have some toilet time or something then that's the best time for twitter although that competes with game time but recently i've kind of thought that maybe some of the the simple, fantastic, like, pleasures of my life, like playing a video game or watching a cartoon or reading a, a fiction book have drifted away as I spent the last couple years, like, reading nonfiction and trying to get better at skills and et cetera, which have done me, like, nearly nothing of any good so far as trading and crypto stuff has gone, as I've misplayed nearly every hand that I've lucked into. So maybe I just need to reclaim some joy of life and uh, by, by uh, partaking in fictional and frivolous things. Well, maybe Lunk Dow, excuse me, uh, Luna Classic will be your vindication. Yeah, I don't know. The older I get, the more, like I used to like video games every now and then. And like I played one recently and I was like, God damn, this is like fucking boring, you know? Um, but I think it's just lately video games have just kind of went down downhill, but I don't know. Um, I was going to think what I can confess. Uh, I did get pretty blackout yesterday um, just because whenever Bitcoin goes down, I get a lot of phone calls from people like rubbing it in. Um, and that was pretty hard. So I went and bought a bottle of what is it? Don Julio, a little personal uh, cylindrical uh, bottle there spherical excuse me and uh began to just drink it out of the bottle and next thing i know i am uh being dominated by three young ladies behind a bar and cash apping them so not not the best look but you know it makes you numb um because like i said everybody calls me when bitcoin goes down especially i mean you guys saw that 
that drop was pretty serious. And uh, I was kind of telling everybody, oh, this is it. You're all going to cry that you didn't pick up Bitcoin in Luna Classic. And then next thing I know, it's uh, down again. So, yeah, I guess that's confession. I've been trying to drink way less, take substances way less. Uh, but yesterday I folded. And, um, yep, that's my confession. Mm, thank you for sharing. Um, Casey, do you have any confessions? Okay, hi. I've been thinking, but I don't really have any confessions that I can think of at this second. Are you on the beach, uh, Katie? Yeah, can you hear the ocean? I'm just sitting here in the sand. Having uh, deep thoughts about life, are we? Yeah, well, I was trying to. And so I walk onto the beach and I see a group of like high schoolers and it looks like they were like rehearsing a TikTok dance, you know, like they were all into it. I was like, okay. So I start walking. I hear a loud like cheering behind me and one of them is just running towards me at full speed. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So he finally reaches me and stops and I kind of just laugh because like, I don't know, it was a little weird. And he said, can I get your Snapchat? And I said, no, I don't use Snapchat. He said, can I get your number? And I said, no, sorry. And then he ran away and it kind of flustered me a little bit because I don't, see the thing is men are scared of rejection, but I don't think people understand, maybe this can be my confession, that rejection is also a super awkward thing. And it always, it's just like the most uncomfortable moment because I also then heard his friends go, what did she say? And like, now he has to go be embarrassed and like, I feel bad, you know? So I came here for a nice little walk and it has turned out to be not so peaceful. Um, but now the sun is going down and people are starting to leave. So mm. yeah. I totally understand that in two ways. I understand that as somebody who used to be a woman and I understand that as, um, an alpha male rejection is hard right like somebody comes at you with a lot of affection a lot of um hope and want there are a few things that happen right so firstly is, is you're scared of any kind of physical violence or strangeness um if you reject them brutally they might have some kind of emotional reaction and attack you and kill you so that's the first thing i'm scared at especially as like a, a midget guy um the second thing is just the fucking stress of it right like okay so the stress of like the emotional conversation that you've been roped into that you didn't even sign up to. Um, and the second thing is like the stress of making them feel bad. So I think a lot of guys like see women as lying to them when they're a bit indirect, when they try and like say like, Oh, I've got ethics to do. Oh, I'm just busy. Oh, I can't right now. When women say stuff like that, they, they see it as like kind of a lying, lying. And then, Oh, why won't you tell me directly that? But if you realize that the sheer amount of rejections, a good looking woman has to give um, or an alpha male like me has to give, then, then you'll understand why that happens. You just, you don't want the, you want to spare their feelings. You don't want to, you don't want to hurt people. And you also don't want to be attacked. Coach, do you think that, um, you know, approaching very good looking women uh, that are obviously out of your league, um, at least in my case, um, and just, just saying, Hey, can I take you out to dinner? You're very beautiful, whatever. Just, approaching them trying to get their number and then being rejected uh tomer's in here holy shit yeah <laughs> god damn it um do you, do you think that's like part of it is like you get so numb to rejection that way women can that you don't like smell a fear when you approach a woman 
because you've been rejected so many times, it's like, I mean, nothing's new, right? Like, what is she going to do? Punch me? What's up, Tomer? It's not a Bitcoin space. Tomer's like, uh, definitely. Yeah, I feel bad now he's in here. But um, if you're down, Tomer, I was going to message you here shortly. But yeah, coach, what do you think about that? Um, do you think that's a, a good strategy to use? Yeah, Tomer. And while you're in here, man, that's awesome. I hope to hear more about your weekend. I don't know what you're confessing. I, I, I literally just popped into the room because you and I, you and I were going to have a call. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I, I know this is a little uncomfortable, but you're free to say anything you were going to say to me on the call right here. <laughs> you're not even the one I thought I was having a call with. Whatever I didn't mean the cap issue. Just do your meeting now. It's fine. Oh, that's funny. So I don't know what you guys. That's okay. About. Give me the elevator. Give me the elevator pitch. What are we confessing here? I, I honestly don't. I literally just stepped into the room. I have no context at all. What do you mean? What are we confessing? Every every human is born here. Life is a responsibility. None of us ask for. We're all burdened with emotions, with traumatic experiences. We all act in the best way we know how at any one moment. Uh, we all have things to confess because the imperfection of humanness is our birthright. Right? We descend here by God as flawed beings. We can look at the story of Adam and Eve. Um, we are all imperfect in many ways, and we all relate, and we all share in that common thread of imperfection. So uh, for you to say, what shall I confess, is, is a middle finger at God. Uh, hold on a second. The, 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 the puppy is raising its little paw, and it's so adorable. Let's see if it, it knows how to say anything. Dan, what's up? Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm just eating a little uh, chicken teriyaki. But uh, yeah, no. Nah, uh, yeah, no. Nah, so Tomer wanted to know about confessions. Uh, I have a confession. Um, I have in the past used my uh, Twitter status for sexual gain. And I continue to do it. I remember you were you were at one time locked as a sex toy in a hotel room while somebody else went to a crypto convention. I don't mean to confess your stuff for you, but it seems like in your eyes, it looks like those puppy eyes. It looks like you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting. That was, but that, is there any, you don't have to go into the specific that you want to know about? No, no, I'm just saying it was just an example. I'm I'm out of here. No, no, no personal offense. I'm not offended. Tomer, we'll pick this up. It's okay. I'll give you another chance. We'll pick this up on the, on the WhatsApp later. That sounds great. I'll look, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open for you. All right. Dan, no, Dan, uh, no, we don't need the details per se, but it just seemed to me like an example of how you, you used your Twitter crypto lord status yeah, six, for gain. Uh, a year ago, uh, I would have never have been able to when I was sitting at like 300, 400, 450, 480 followers. Mm. But Coach uh, taught me how to really juice up that follower account and... Uh, Every single every single hundred followers is like a is like a level up, you know. I think it's important to say here that that um, what what Dan learned, what Dirty Dan learned to gain his followers was just to start being nice, right? I think uh, a lot of people here on Twitter, it's like they're they're hungry to get something. Like either they're getting uh, they want to get validation, approval. Um, they want to get money in some level. They want to get something. They want to get something for themselves, right? Um, and the Dan was previously in that state, that kind of mental state, that that selfish mental state. 
And when he made a transition, when he made a flip, a kind of a binary switch to choosing to give and be nice and be friendly instead, and, and to choose love first, that's when he made the switch. Because what we get in life isn't about um, luck. It's, it's nothing about that. It's, it's about how much love we give to the world and we give to others. Um, the amount of happiness in our life is directly proportionate to the quantity of love we give others. And that works wonderfully well in an almost accelerated fashion on social media. It's all about the vibes. I'm, I'm a little bit upset too, because uh, Anatoly was here and I think everyone was waiting for him to confess. And the confession that he really had, um, if he was an honest man, was that he's messaged my, my older sister when I asked people to ask my approval first. Um, so uh, Katie, who's, who's the speaker here next to me, is my older sister. And um, I posted the other day saying, you know, yes, Katie is fertile. Yes, she's looking for a husband. Yes, um, she's on the prowl. Yes, she's sexually ravenous. Yes, you know, all these things. And she wants to make the best of her fertile prime to have as many children as possible. And but I said, like, OK, so if you want to talk to my sister, then then just message me, ask permission. Or you can hang around in her reply section and you can you can reply like, oh, that's like if Katie posts like a picture of her hair, you can maybe post in the, in the replies underneath like, oh, that's a nice hair, Katie. That's nice hair. Well done for having that hair or something like that. And then like if she's comfortable, then she can invite you to DMs. Um, but what Anatoly did is he went directly to DMs. He, I think he, he started like offering to buy her cars and stuff um, and like small properties like duplexes, um, kind of, you know, like those rental condos with, with four apartments in a small block. Um, he started offering to buy these things for Katie as if to like win her heart, but like totally uninvited in, in a totally fucking creepy way. Um, and I'm just angry. Like I'm angry on a lot of levels because um, I want to protect my sister. Yes, thank you. It did make me super uncomfortable. And once again, it put me in one of those positions. Like, I don't want to make him feel bad, but like, I also don't want to lie, you know? So I just didn't reply. And I thought like, okay, we'll just leave it at that. And then he responded to your next, whatever you said about like, don't DM my sister. He's like, I couldn't help it. So that was also really upsetting to me that he also aired out his own dirty laundry like that. Mm. It's like he's, he's treating you more like a, a cum sock than a real human being. Yeah, exactly. Hey coach, um, I've got a confession. I've only been here for a few minutes. Um, and I was just, well, I guess my confession is since I've been here, I've really wanted to see Katie's vagina. I was wondering if I could ask you permission to, to maybe get a photo of it. Cheers. No, you, you cannot. Um, the, the way to, uh, get her, the way to get her vagina in the long run is to, to be just, be friendly and be nice and and to work up and if she wants to go a little bit further like maybe to bring you to dms then she'll directly invite you don't do anything uninvited wait for her to invite you if listen if a female likes you if you've made a good impression if she really likes you she'll open doors for you right she'll message you something like oh um you know what do you think about this what do you think about my latest like business venture what do you think about my latest uh idea she'll try and like get your advice on something, right? And that's, that's just an invitation. Girls don't do that unless they like you a lot and they want to have your children. Um, so you need, to, you, need to, you need to wait. Like, don't turn it into some weird fucking voyeuristic uh, masturbatory thing, right? This is my fucking sister you're talking about, right? My fertile uh, 23-year-old sister. 
So uh, never say something like that again. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got you. You got nice. Yeah. Hat, by the way, Adam, I got uh, some advice for you. Um, if you get the uh, follower account up, then uh, females will start uh, DMing you, and laws of averages say that you might get lucky after enough tr- after enough uh, DMs. So that's my advice for you. Roger. Yep, makes sense. Cheers. Adam, where are you from? Uh, take a guess. Well, from your red uh, mohawk and your voice, I'm not getting much information. Are you in North America, Europe? Where are you? Which continent? He's in, he's in Europe for sure. Oh, uh, oh. Nah, not Europe. Oh. Australia. Oh, okay. Interesting. Very cool. Hmm. Appreciate it. I'm sensing like half New Zealand and half Ghana. And like maybe about one third like French bisexual power bottom. I've been sleeping with ever increasing size logs up my ass. Um trying to get I get better at, I guess better at being a bottom. So you yeah, half right there. How how would you compare um conventional penile orgasms with, with prostate orgasm orgasms? Uh do you see a difference? Do you see um a hierarchy? Are prostate orgasms better? Like, how do you get the best prostate orgasm you can? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I guess, like, playing with it a bit more. It's a bit more prone to, like, levels of of pleasure. Um, But, yeah, it's hard to explain. You kind of just have to, like, experience it, I guess work on like work on yourself to be able to get to that sort of level where you're getting really really solid prostate orgasms you really said a lot without saying anything at all i'm not very good at explaining myself i try probably why i get no women would anyone else like to to come and uh confess maybe uh kayvon hmm aniki would you like to confess Maybe your your ongoing beatiness. I'm on the train and I cannot speak. Why is that like socially unacceptable to speak I don't, on train? Um, this is like the same beat. Just fucking confess, man. If anything, it'll inspire people around you to confess too. You just hand the phone to those random strangers, make them confess every random thing. But yeah, it's like super taboo. So no, I'm not into that. What did, like what, one minute. What did he say? This is disappointing. It's like hiding yourself, right? It's like it's like the kind of thing that gives rise to sin, trying to hide yourself um, from others. It's like it's like Aniki's got this private world, this sinful private world, which he experiences. And then um, if anyone says like, "Why don't you share that with everyone?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no," because he's trying to defend like his private world from being revealed in the public eye person i knew was a brother-in-law he, he would ask you questions about what you believe and poke at it and prod at it and want to know about you so that he could try to uh refute everything at your core but he wouldn't put we wouldn't tell his position on even very simple subjects and it really uh worried me and it worried my wife as 
as my uh, sibling uh, was in a relationship with this guy for years and couldn't get close to him at all. Turns out he was like really mentally abusive narcissist. And so he he, uh, he believed in absolute privacy for himself, but he probably only really believed that he existed or something like that, too. So that's so if you see somebody who's so private that they won't share in such a safe sharing place as this with, you know, only um, 19 close friends, I'm worried that they, too, may be one of these narcissists that just plays their cards so close to their chest so that no one can see what they're doing in private and judge them. I'm off the train now. You guys, <laughs> you're not allowed to talk on the phone on the train. It's like super taboo. It's like one of the number one things to do or not do rather. But I'm, I'm finished now and you can ask me whatever private sins you would like me to ask. We're not asking anything. I think the point is that nobody asks. This is not an interview. This is something spontaneously arising in your own heart. Okay, well, I committed a sin a few minutes ago, and I feel really guilty about it. And I would like to talk about it, if that's okay. Uh, was this ejaculating on the face of a Japanese girl on the subway and running? Well, I mean, not in those words, but you're not off the mark totally, of course, as you know. I wouldn't use those such strong terms as ejaculation. Are you implying more of a, like a hesitant dribble? Like maybe a kind of a, an inhibition of the anterior muscles of the, um, the perineum? I don't know what those words mean, but I took a picture of a stranger because the shock of the sight was so great that I had to take a picture so I could process the thought later. And it's confirmed a lot of what I believed to be false as true. And I'm, I'm, I'm shaken to my core. What I found was I found this beautiful Japanese woman, beautiful, very nicely dressed, wonderful hair, looks to be a very well-kept woman. And this man who was a foreigner, he was fat, balding, disgusting, unkempt, not even fashionable, wearing the, the gross, sweaty t-shirt in the most cartoonish way. And I was disgusted by this, by the sight of this unkempt, disgusting foreigner man and this beautiful Japanese girl. And so I had to sneak a picture of it because my friend tells me that this happens all the time. And I say, no, 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 it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. No, it's just a myth. But it happened in front of my eyes. And I'm, I'm, I'm hurt as a foreigner living in Japan that people are living here as this crisis. And I, I, that's my sin. Wait, was, you took a picture. Wait, you couldn't, be, you couldn't believe that the man and woman were near each other or were they doing something like there's, there's no, they were dating. They were, they were a couple. Okay. There wasn't, there was like an action <laughs> they missing just, from your they story. Weren't just <laughs> they weren't just standing around. No, they were a couple. <laughs> Okay, so the are you of Japanese descent? No. Okay, so you're I'm a, one I'm of the a white, a white American proud proud boy. So you're you're one of the barbarians, and you're you were shocked to see that a, a man that you would compare yourself to, and you would think you'd be lesser, 
somehow nabbed himself a woman like that. Yeah, it's really it's really shocking to me and I'm embarrassed for my barbarian kind that they would fail yet also succeed so so interestingly. Huh. I mean, are you are you hoping for a blushing pasty white geisha bride with bound feet or like does this can this give you hope for your own success or are you just not grotesque it, enough it makes, of a it makes me it makes me sad it makes me sad that it's so easy to meet japanese women of high quality i don't have to have any hair i don't have to groom myself i don't know why i do anything that i do to make myself up if i can look like the biggest slob in the world it's changing my perception perhaps this is just the nature of reality here at this point you're disappointed that you in japan were you to find a woman you would always question whether it had anything to do with you at all or it was just the fact that you had a heartbeat and that no part of you matters i guess if you put it that way you're not you're not totally wrong mm -hmm. well thank you for sharing aniki um would anyone else like to to confess maybe um crypto pancake thank you for sharing aniki yeah, I have a, I have a confession I'm not too happy about. Um, well, I guess it depends how you look at it. Um, so I, I have a really bad crack addiction. Um, and I went to the Tenderloin in San Francisco to get a sack. And uh, as I'm walking through the Tenderloin to find the sack, there is this rancid homeless girl laying on the ground. But she didn't look too bad. So I tipped her $5 and I threw a little rock in there. And she proceeded to uncrumple the, the dollar bill and find the rock. And then she was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, you want to smoke? And I sat down and I started smoking with her. And she starts telling me about how she ended up homeless and how she's having such a hard time surviving on the streets and feeling safe in my presence and connecting with her on such a bottom level. I asked her, how would you feel if I were to get a hotel room, take you there, clean you up, get you some clothes, we can smoke some more crack, and you can clean yourself up? And I proceeded to take her to the hotel and one thing led to another and i ended up penetrating and smoking a lot of crack and uh now i feel disgusting you know <laughs> that's uh one of the lowest points that i've ever gotten in my life but i made somebody happy for a few minutes so i guess i'm doing god's work i don't know <clears throat> hold on you said you said now you feel disgusting was this recent um yeah, it was uh, two days ago. Ah, why do you feel disgusted? You know, just the, the fact that my primal urges are so severe that I would do such a thing um, makes me feel like a dirty animal. But what's the... I don't understand. Like, if you both enjoyed it, you both had a little adventure, like, what's the downside? um yeah i mean i guess she wasn't she wasn't like ugly or anything but just just the fact that 
I would scoop to such a lower level. Like usually I'm not at such a lower level, but lately I've been so deprived that my, um, uh, what's it called? My, my pickiness has somewhat diminished. I, I don't know if you would call that um, desperate, but <clears throat> usually like the women I'm with are 10 out of 10. They have jobs, you know, they, uh, they can take care of themselves. Uh, this this was just totally random. Um, was not even expecting for this to really happen at all, but it did. And uh, I guess I'm not upset that it happened. I'm just like used to getting better, so I feel like I let myself down somewhat. Hmm. I would say it's just something that fell right at the time. A fun adventure and if anything a cool story oh absolutely yeah it's something i would never forget um you know and it, and it goes to show you that uh we're all humans um doesn't matter you know if you're laying on the side of a street or uh, if you're living in a sky rise building um at the end of the day we're all beings we all feel and um i'm just glad i was able to help somebody have a good time you know in this time of distress because it's really hard to come by, like like happiness and satisfaction, uh, in today's world, especially with the discontent and the disconnection from others. You know, it's um, it's not easy. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, never judge anybody, because that could be you at the end of the day. You know. Hmm. But I think when you say don't judge anybody, you've also got to apply that to yourself, right? Like, there's quite a lot of self judgment going on. Yeah, I, sometimes I seem to contradict myself, but yeah, you're absolutely right. But I guess that's the point of being human, right? Yeah, I think so. Even it, like I talked a bit earlier about like um, Buddhism and, and living in a monastery and stuff. And one thing people often forget is like, he says like, you know, love all living beings, but that includes yourself. You know, all, all our flaws, all our like, temporary urges, all our fuck-ups, all our stupid experiences, sleeping with grossly overweight women and stuff. You know, it's, it, I don't know. It's also love for ourselves, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, fat chicks need love too, but not not from me. <laughs> yeah. I have a thing where, like, in the past, I've, I, like, I've, I don't know, I've slept with a lot of girls. And, uh, especially in like my student years when I used to get really fucking drunk. Um, I certainly slept with like some average to ugly girls, um, at least part of the time. But like, I had this attitude that like, all right, like, like even when I was drunk, I knew they were fucking ugly. It's just that the, the, the alcohol overcame the inhibition. Um, and I just went for it for some reason, because maybe there was just nothing else to do that night. Um, but I remember thinking to myself as I was going through these experiences, like, all right, so I'm going to have sex with this this ugly girl. I'm at least going to give her the best experience of her life. Like, I'm going to give her a proper fucking adventure. I'm going to give her, like, the ultimate shagging. I'm going to make her, like, feel like a fucking queen. I'm going to um, I'm gonna go all night. I'm going to give her, like, a marathon fucking session. I'm going to dive down and eat her ugly pussy because obviously, like, the, the, the shape of the pussy, like, the way it looks is, like, pretty much uh, mirrored their face, right? Like, an ugly woman will have an ugly pussy, right? I'm sure you know this too, um, anyone who's had sex, right? The whole body is kind of mirrored up and down. 
anyway, my, my thinking was like, okay, so I'm here. So I'm just going to give them the, like the ultimate fucking experience. I'm going to show them maybe for the one solitary time in their whole lives, what it is like to be wanted completely. Right. So I just fucking do it. And then I, in the morning I go, but, um, but I hope that on some level they felt like, I don't know, they, they developed a new expectation for a guy that was like somebody who really, really wants them rather than somebody who, um, I don't know, uh, fucks them in kind of a, a hesitant and, and, and like half-assed manner. Right. So let me ask you this. Let's say you get sexually involved with a girl, but she gets attracted to you, but you're not attracted to her. Now, would you just have a one night stand and just drop her like a hot potato or, you know, like, cause I've been in some situations where I've really been like on the verge of like thinking like, man, is this fucked up if I drop her right now? Cause she's so attached to me or should I just kind of slowly disappear? You know, it, it, it really gets to a point where, you know, just having sex with somebody can fuck up a lot of stuff um if you're not serious in the long run if you know that person does not have a mental capacity to understand okay hey this is just a fling we're just hooking up you know we're not looking for a relationship or anything like that but you do have people who get stuck in their head and maybe they've never had somebody like you before treat them the way that you do and they get really really attached and you know after you get what you want it's like yeah i'm not that interested into you anymore but on the other side they can't stop thinking about you you know so it's like a it's like a dilemma to have sex with strangers or not to have sex with strangers it always makes me wonder about you know maybe there is something to this i don't know uh, having sex when you're married you know because um i don't know man love is tricky you know especially in, like in today's world it's very hard to find love it's it's almost like non-existent you know with uh everyone wanting to be a tiktok or uh only fans model you know women are in short supply these days so us guys out here are really drying out <laughs> it's bad <laughs> i think the opposite honestly um i think obviously it depends where you meet women uh if you're going to meet women in this space then obviously they're going to be trashy um low quality women but I think um, I think the number of quality women has diminished over the last like hundred years and more. Um, but I think the 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 quantity of of good men of like truly good men has diminished even more. I think it's like it's like I think if you are a truly good man and and you have your life together and you do stuff and you're pretty directed and and you know your shit and you're not like some fucking uh, maggot consuming content and entertainment and news all day and and you you actually kind of take control of your own. Uh, mind and where you direct it i think you're in the top fucking 0.1 and i think there's like an abundance of quality women for those men yeah i live in california so out here it's a little different um you sound like you're from london coach so i'm that's what i'm assuming but yeah man and in like california everyone here is like you know i live in a rich area i live in monte sereno which is uh silicon valley um you know so here it's like if you don't have money uh you're gonna you're gonna be single um for the rest of your life probably um so i'm thinking of getting out of california because over here it's just everything's so screwed up with you know what's going on and um it's just the way people are here 
I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it's like there's zombies, man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you have that over in your part of the world, but over here, people are just like, man, I don't even know how to explain it, you know? What do you um, mean? Well, I don't know. Uh, let me let me see if I can word it. It's like, it's just different, you know? Like, when I was younger, everybody went out, everybody partied, you know, just got together. And then, like, ever since the pandemic, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older, too. I'm 29. I'm about to turn 30 this year, but like, you know, the high school kids that I look at now, they don't really party like how me and my friends were partying when I was in high school, you know? And I guess that's just like, as you get older, shit changes. But even with the adults over here, it's just like, everyone's just way too worried about themselves, you know? And we're paying astronomical rent prices and inflation is soaring and, you know, California's fucking expensive. So most people don't have time. I think you're coping. I think you are making a lot of excuses for why you can't succeed. You're saying, oh, I need to have a lot of money to not be single and stuff. Meanwhile, five minutes ago, you just regaled us with this amazing tale of you meeting a crack whore on the street and taking her and caring for her lovingly. And you give us this story. Yet at the same time, you complain, oh, I don't have enough money. There are many crack whores on the street. You can find a bunch of wonderful young addicted women to take home and breed with as much as you'd like. Yeah, see, but I don't want a crack core. See, that's low-hanging fruit for me. Like, I was desperate, but, you know, like I said, I mean, when I find the right one, I find the right one. But as of now, I, like, the financial situation, you know, uh, it's just not feasible to try to, like, realistically start a family, you know, or try to settle down or you know, throw 50 grand on a wedding. I mean, it's just, you know. Get a, sugar, get a sugar mama. We'll get a rich girl. Hey, you know, around here in Los Gatos, it's easily doable, but they're, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> All saggy and wrinkly, you know. I think as a man, you should command respect. And by doing this, you should make the girl pay for everything. And the demand that your presence be paid for, understanding that you are the valuable asset in the relationship. Therefore, by going to dinner and saying, listen, I know you're having a better time with me than I am with you. Therefore, demonstrating value, doing a sort of a, a neg thing. And, and therefore, you can kind of milk a lot of funds from women this way. I, I think you could find a lot of success with this avenue here, personally. Yeah, I, personally, I don't think women give a fuck about money. Um, they care about whether you, you have like, um, the capacity to, uh, protect them from like wild pigs. They care about whether you have a sense of direction, um, whether you're going to take care of them in a fundamental way, but it's not money. Um, I think a good man can easily like take a girl, take her to the woods of, of some fucking, uh, weird state in the U S like, I don't know, North Dakota or wherever. And he can build like a little shack and, and a little rainwater collection system uh, coming off the, the roof that collects in a barrel and filtrates. Um, he can grow like a, a little allotment of potatoes and vegetables. Um, and he can live purely in nature on no money at all, making a house out of the, the environment with the wood and the leaves and everything else. And I don't think she'll give a fuck so long as he's like a, a proper fucking man who she trusts that like whenever there's a storm, 
whenever there's a monsoon in the local environment, then he just fucking fixes it. Like he's going to sort it out and he's going to make sure her and her 20 children are safe. Um, I don't think money is a, I think money is kind of like a crude approximation, kind of a crude indicator of a guy's level of manliness. And, and it's not always the case. In fact, in most cases, it isn't anything like that. Um, most rich guys in this world are quite fucking beta. They're a little bit disgusting. And I think, um, women begrudge having sex with them. And even if they do have sex with them, they don't have orgasms. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. But then again, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, doesn't a woman want to feel secure? So in today's world, if you don't have money, then you have no security. I feel like that's a big deal. That's what I'm saying. That's why I gave the example of the, the forest. Oh, I see. Kinda, just kind of go off grid. Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you'd like. So long as you give her that kind of psychological security that like everything is going to be okay. Even if you're oh, taking sure, her yeah. with you and couch surfing, even if you're um, taking her with you in a tent and settling in different places like under um, highway bridges every night, she'll be fine. So long as she feels in her heart that you're going to take care of her and you're going to be fully, fully protective of her and make sure she's safe in every situation. She doesn't give a fuck where she is. For sure. Yeah, then I guess if the world collapses and we're out backpacking, I guess, yeah. I guess, yeah, that everything changes, sure. Also, um, I would say women women make bets, right? Uh, they bet on horses. They invest in guys. Like, why is it the women, when they're, say, 18, are interested in guys that play guitar, right? So if a guy expresses a kind of talent, if he manifests a kind of talent, and seems to be creatively um, talented and interesting. At that case, she's much more likely to be attracted to him. She's much more likely to stick with him because she thinks he has what it takes to become a star or um, a guy who can do anything creatively or a guy who can compel people to give him attention, right? So uh, often women date complete fucking losers, but it's just because they're investing in the guy's potential um, or he just, he just demonstrates something that is unique like a unique kind of directedness or groundedness or whatever the fuck else or creativity. They'd much rather bet on a guy like that as like a long-term bet than just some average rich guy. Would you say looks are uh, equated? No, I don't think girls see looks at all. I don't think, a, I don't think a woman has ever seen a man objectively. I think even if you, if you show a photo of a man, uh, this is a stranger to a woman. She won't even know what it looks like. She won't know how to assess it or rate it. Um, I think a woman's conception of looks, the modulation of her optical nerves and her entire brain structure surrounding uh, the perception of male looks is entirely filtered directly through her emotions. Um, if you talk to a girl to start with, she basically sees you as kind of like a pixelated face, something like indistinguishable something kind of merged into the background. It doesn't matter if you've got like a fucking chiseled jaw and you're a 10 out of 10 in objective yeah. guy terms or whatever. Um, she, she doesn't know. She doesn't give a fuck. All she knows is how you make her feel. And when you make her feel a certain way, it's like your face fucking reorganizes. It reassembles into like a, a, a godly fucking face, like, like, you know, Brad Pitt in, in, in that movie, Troy or something. Right. Um, yeah. So long as she likes you, she'll see you that way. Like we've all been around girls who are with these fat fucking motherfuckers and they just treat them as such such handsome men, such beautiful men, right? 
the, the reason is they're seeing them entirely through their emotions. And we've also been around guys who are really fucking good looking, right? So uh, we all knew guys maybe at college or whatever who were really good looking but just got no attention at all, you know? Right. The reason is because they didn't make the girl feel anything. They didn't make her feel any fucking tingles in her vagina. Um, they just, they didn't get it. They didn't get it at all. Uh, they, they, they thought that women have the same perception as men. Like when I look at a guy, I can say, yeah, that's a 7 out of 10. That's an 8 out of 10. There's quite a clear hierarchy, quite a clear continuum, which is obvious based on like facial landmarks, the jaw and the cheekbones and whatever the fuck else. But in terms of a woman, she can't see any of that, man. She just sees a fucking pixelated face. She sees an indeterminate blur. Um, the only thing that will make her crystallize your face into a real thing, good looking or bad looking, is the way you make her feel. That takes a lot of stress off my mind, man. I can't tell you how uh, self-conscious I used to be when I was younger until I just said, man, fuck all this shit. I'm just going to take my shot. And uh, I've never looked back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's, there's that. There's like, there's like, who the fuck cares anyway? You have what you have. Just move forward. Right. But there's also this fact that the females just can't fucking see it. Literally, we've all experienced this. Like a girl will become obsessed with a guy and she'll like, even if he's like a three, four out of 10, I don't know if you've ever been around girls who've dated um, different guys and stuff, but uh, I think most, yep. but yep. like we've all seen like an average looking guy date a girl. And then she starts talking about like how handsome he is and how good looking he is and like stuff like that. It's because her entire like perceptual apparatus, her brain is seeing him through her emotions. If she's in love, if she feels safe, if she feels loved herself, if she feels like this is a good bet, then she'll start to see him as a good-looking guy. It's just like it, it's it, she—they're completely fucking deluded, man. Like their entire perceptual apparatus is entirely filtered through their emotions. Like, like there's there's nothing else. It, it, it I don't know how to describe yeah. this in a more simple That's way. True. Women are highly emotional creatures. Yeah. They cannot see what you look like. They're, they're totally incapable of seeing what you look like in any kind of objective dimension. It's entirely how you make them feel. So I could be dressed like a bum, haven't showered in a week, as long as I can make you feel good, that's all that matters. If you if you dress like a bum, you're not showered, she doesn't give a fuck, man. <laughs> if, so, long as, so long as you talk to her and you captivate her and you make her feel like this guy is fucking interesting, he has a direction, um, he'll make me, you know, he makes me feel loved, he kind of... I can feel a spark in him, right? There are all these yeah. classic stories that have been all over Twitter that are quite interesting. Like um, there was one recently of a guy who mugged a girl. Uh, he stole like a handbag or something and she called the police and he was arrested. And in prison, he started writing letters to her um, saying like that he was sorry to start with. And then like this, this, this interesting bond formed because he showed like a renewed sense of like um, being rehabilitated, being directed. Um, of making her feel loved and stuff. And that was from the, the origin story of having mugged her, having robbed her handbag, right? So these things happen all the time. Uh, he, he made her feel something, and then that feeling was converted into uh, the emotion of love, right? It's, it's, like, an, it's like a classic story. Um, so long as you make her feel something, you're way ahead of most men. And if you make her feel good, you're ahead of like 99.9% .9 of men. For sure. So there's also you can go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go there's ahead. also the uh, entertainment value. We were talking before about like the cool guy with the guitar. I've talked to a lot of girls, and one of the favorite questions is, "Would you rather date like a rich man or just like a cool guy with a guitar?" And like 99.9% .9 of them say the cool guy with the guitar. Not only because the ambition thing, 
which is obviously very attractive, but just they're just fun, right? I don't know a lot of fun rich people, especially if their personality is the fact that they're rich. Like there's fun people who are rich, but you don't think of them as rich guys. But the idea is if you can always be some sort of entertainment or comedy or or something Mm -hmm. of that sort. Even if you are the guy they choose to like provide for you on some level, right? Um, like there, there are many girls who have this like deep fear of, of feeling um, a lack of safety and a lack of protection. And they often go for quite rich guys because uh, that kind of satisfies that need, that fundamental need for like having a ground, a foundation. But even in those cases, if a, if a girl ends up with a guy like that, he's not going to be the one she loves. He, he really isn't like 99% of the time she's not going to be um, he's not going to be the one she loves her heart will be elsewhere and as soon as a guy turns up like a, a creative guy a charismatic guy a guy who truly captures her attention and gives her some kind of interesting experience she's going to end up in the bathroom with that guy uh, fucking his brains out and and she'll go back to the other guy feeling no remorse at all because uh, she never loved him she just wanted his security and that's what it is, brother. That's what it is. There's also something to be said about this mug story is that this man who mugged this girl and then read, wrote her letters, I can always see this. If the man is capable of mugging her, he's already shown his strength. He's already shown his power. He, She knows that if he took that power and used it to protect her, she'd be safe for the rest of his life. How many of us have the ability to mug somebody? I don't think I had would have the gumption to walk on the street and mug anybody. So should we start mugging everybody we want to sleep with? I think you should. I think that's a good path to go down. And if you if you have the ability to go on the street and start mugging people, surely you have the ability to go down the street and start um, asking women their numbers. And oh, you, you can love have that. Women love this. They, they usually don't like a really? purely dangerous man. Um, but I think uh, loads, like this is like a common thread, like all of the, the old, um, like, uh, Socratic philosophers and the Greeks and the Romans and stuff. They talked about this idea of, of a man who was like a warrior, who's capable of immense violence, but at the same time chose to be a peacemaker and, and chose to, to only be violent when necessary. Right. So a man who can be dangerous, but chooses not to be, I think, um, like modern people, maybe I think Jordan Peterson says something like that as well in one of his talks I've watched. Um, he says, like, women like dangerous men who who choose to be peaceful. And that's true, right? It's, it's like, true on all kinds of levels, right? They'd much rather date a fucking a mugger, a convict, even a serial killer who chooses to love and protect them as, as the, maybe the one person in their life they truly love and connect to and, and want to protect more than anything. They'd much rather date someone like that, capable of immense violence and even murder, serial murders. They'd much rather date someone like that than any kind of pussy who would be helpless in a violent situation, right? Because a pussy like that might claim, oh, I'm a pacifist, oh, I I don't want to hurt anyone. But the truth is, they're not capable, even if it was necessary, even if like some fucking thug beat down the door and came into the house with a knife or something. In a situation like that, the pussy guy, the apparent pacifist would be hiding. They'd run out of the window. They'd leave the girl alone to die because they're a fucking pussy. They don't know what violence is and they're not prepared for violence because they've never experienced it in their life, right? A, a woman would much rather be dating like a violent man, a serial murderer than any kind of pussy. I think this confuses a lot of women too because a lot of women have this understanding of a desire of like when they're dating these weak men, They some sometimes I've heard women say this, that they would they kind of like the idea of someone breaking into their house 
and like just taking them out of desire. And there, this confuses a lot of men because like, what do you, what does that mean? Why would they want that? But the idea is that women want to be desired. That's like their currency in some sense. And if if a if a man is just providing this sort of baseline numeric currency of level of provision, it's not going to do anything for her. As we said, like nothing emotional, nothing mm-hmm. secure in a real. I don't know, animalistic sort of baseline way. I don't really know if that's true. Like, if a guy spends heaps of money on you, like, you do like him more usually compared to if he doesn't because it still makes you feel like he's protective of you, even if it's not viscerally physical. Yeah, but the point is it's like a very crude approximation of what you really want, right? Like, one of the things you want there, the aspect you want is the sense of, like, being uh, protected or provided for. And, and like a sense of safety from that, like on a, on a very fundamental kind of primitive level. But that's like one very crude approximation of, of what you truly want underneath. Like women want safety. Uh, women want to feel um, they're wanted and loved. Uh, women want to feel that, that themselves and, and potentially children and stuff will be protected and cared for. And women also want to be taken on a journey, taken on an adventure um, to have fun. You know, it's no point in having like, the pure provision and and the pure protection without any sense of fun right because like like okay there's like the biological i don't need any fun to be honest well there's like the biological drives for safety right the 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 core things like stay alive but then we're much more human beyond that right like there's there's what we do with 24 hours of the day um you need to have a good life as well there's something that's kind of uh, misdirecting with this too is because I think every good man eventually figures out money. If money is something that every man should just eventually take care of, right? It, it's 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 part of our responsibility. And so, if a man has money, there is a perception that they are stable and grounded and have the ability to persuade people, have some social clout, all this type of thing. But it gets a little diluted when you can consider that most rich people are, as Coach said, like beta beta males, where they they inherit money or they, they get it in some sort of luck fashion. And uh, these days I've been going out with one of my, one of my, um, one of my boss's sons, actually. He's, 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 he's a total beta male, he's like 35. He's, he's got no life, no friends, no social life, and he's got he's tons of money. And all these girls are like, oh, introduce me, introduce me. And then we go out and it's me and him and they, they don't give him any attention because they, they, he, he provides nothing at all. He's very fashionable, very well dressed, but he just sits there like 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 a sitting duck. He's providing nothing to these girls, and I, I'm almost a little lost as how to how to give him like some some leeway here. It's because they, they they have nothing. I don't I don't know what to do with it. He must be frightened, or feels intimidated, or feels like he has nothing to uh, talk about, or. You know, I don't know you. You don't know me. You know, how do we break the ice? I, I feel like yeah. guys find some trouble with that I've been, shit. I've been like, trying to, I've been trying to like coach him through it, and like, there's a lot. There's always a bunch of layers to it, and um, try to try to help him figure his, his life out. But there's only so much walking I can do for another man in the end of the day. But you know, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I've, seen, I've seen this thing time and time again. Like, um, a guy can have infinite money, but if he's if he's a pussy on some level. And uh, like a pussy in social situations or or potentially violent situations, the woman just won't care at all. She she really will not care. Um, and I think the phenomena here is also what that there's that famous quote, right? Like hard times create strong men, 
Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Right. So this 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 guy you're talking about probably had quite a a privileged childhood where there was wealth, where his father or mother sought to protect him, and um and for some reason uh, diminished the amount of challenge he had in this life. They made him feel safe and protected. They wanted him maybe not to experience the same hardships they went through. I've seen this time and time again. All of the sons and daughters of um, rich people I know, uh, so like people people I know, like like any son or daughter of a very wealthy family, is fucked up, like a hundred percent across the board. I don't know any. Yeah. I don't know when. I don't know a single like functional person who came from a very wealthy upbringing. I think it's like you a, know what's really really funny about this though is also he he incessantly complains about his youth and he's always saying oh my mom didn't give me this attention or my dad wasn't around that much he's always working and i've surely had a more difficult life than his not saying my life was super difficult but we've had our ups and downs as we all do but he's consistently just this this victim mindset of oh i don't have anything and i'm just looking at his life and i'm like your dad owns you know so much property he i've met him multiple times very kind man very loving man uh good definitely a good father and he just does not capitalize whatsoever mm -hmm. yeah there's no it sounds like there's no sense of personal responsibility right so yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i've been maybe, teaching that one maybe the guy was like the guy's father wasn't around or whatever but like at the same time he's a pussy and yep. like yep. there's also his life starts now like there's nothing stopping him just just like creating a new life right now you can either right. live in the past or you can just like realize like, oh, fuck, I might not be alive tomorrow when I just capitalize now. Yeah, he's one of those like kind of Redditors. He just spends a lot of time online. And I'm, so I've been trying to just pull him out just to see, show him that life can be different. And e even if you have nothing, quote, quote, that he has or whatever, and hopefully something will happen. But we'll, we'll see. You should give him some LSD. Open up his mind. Ah, I'm not a big fan of that. Maybe some people need that. Some people need to open up. Otherwise, they'll be shut in that shell forever. I think all these are some form of escapism or other. I mean, people like they escape into media, they escape into alcohol or whatever. And I, I've suggested to him, and this is my own personal practice, is to drink as less as you can. Try to like try to keep in your your base sense of self. Every time I go out, I think with with him or by myself or whatever, I have a single drink. Last night I went to a place, I, I ordered a single drink because the staff hounded me to order a single drink and that was it. And I still had a great time that wonderful people spent the night um, with some, some cute girls and stuff. It's all, all good, dude. You don't, need, you don't need some abuse. You don't need some substance. You don't need any liquid courage or, or whatever it is, maybe. No, no, I wasn't saying like liquid courage. I'm saying, um, you know, when someone goes through something like that, they view their life completely differently i mean y your whole life flashes before you and you go through like i would explain it as like a butterfly but like you're the caterpillar building the cocoon and as you're growing through that cocoon you emerge as a butterfly and you just feel overconfident and you know you 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 realize why you're alive you know you you're more um i guess like just you're more out there. You want to go live life again. Cause I feel like a lot of people, when you come from that background and you have fucking everything, uh, you don't know how hard it is to have nothing. And so you're bored and you don't know what to do and you get stuck in that, uh, comfortability. So like they say, never let comfort become your best friend. 
because it'll never let you grow. You'll never have um, to be forced to change if you're not hit with like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Because they, they don't have to deal with that like everyone else does. So, I mean, that's what I had to go through. You know, my, my parents were fairly rich and living in Silicon Valley and we ended up losing everything in 2008. So, I mean, I've had it all and I've lost it all. And I'll tell you one thing, if I never lost it all, I probably would have been stuck in my room still at 30 years old playing video games, chatting on Facebook with fucking bots, playing Warcraft. You know, I would have never got out into the world and partied and met people and risked my life and, you know, got high off my own adrenaline. Um, some people just need to get thrown into the pool. You just got to grab them and say, motherfucker, you're coming with me and fucking throw them into the pool. And uh, that's maybe one way you could try or just kind of try to take him out with you and just be like, hey, man, just talk to this girl, dude. Just, just fucking just start talking and say something. Maybe one day he will. I think crypto, I'm sorry, what was your name? Crypto Pancake had, her, had your hand raised for a while. I, I didn't get a chance to mention you. Someone, one of you did. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so I have a confession. Um, but hopefully this is a judgment-free space because it's kind of a doozy. Um, so quite some time ago, um, my friend had a job interview um, for a company that he ended up working for. And during the job interview, he was interviewed by a woman and he essentially came to me and said, you know, her, her name was a, a woman, you know, she presented as a woman, but I think that she's a man. And so essentially he wanted me to go through like her social media presence and basically like with all of this evidence, try and make a determination about it and in the process of doing so I think one night I think it was because I took mushrooms but so like in the process of doing so I was going through her um like I went through her Facebook I went I found her Twitter I don't even know how I found her Twitter it was like because it wasn't connected to um, her full name. I just, I think I started typing things related to things that she was interested in into Google. And then it like came out. So I was able to find like all these different things. I was able to find all this different information about her. And between the high level of details and um, the, the mushrooms, essentially, I became like obsessed with this woman and then eventually like I really like violated her boundaries and just went on this crazy like cyber stalking like rampage and stuff and then at the end of it I found out that it was all like a journey of like self-love so that's my confession yeah mushrooms are great for uh, depression Thank you for sharing, Crypto Pancake. That was very vulnerable. 
yeah, it's like a true story. So, thank you. Would any women ever seriously date in the metaverse? I'm just, I'm just trying to see who would. It's even worse than that, man. Like, women fall in love based on uh, what people write on Twitter. I've had like that's wild. <laughs> I've had like twenty girls on here declare love based on my tweets, and they haven't even they haven't even in most cases uh, interacted with me personally. They've just watched from afar and then messaged me saying, "Please, uh, Bruce, please meet me." Well, there so, might be like some validity in that, though. That like even though they're coming on strong, like they might essentially not all of them but some of them may be so perceptive to assume that your tweet style is compatible with their level of intellect so they seek you out as a suitable mate for breeding i think so yeah but but also consider that there could be uh, another account run by a complete loser and uh, he could just say copy and paste my tweets and the woman would fall for that other account right so so women don't have a kind of a mental check where they like, like as, as a guy, if I'm interacting with say, let, let's say like I, I start talking to, to Katie or something, if I'm seriously interested in her, then I'll say like, let's have a phone call or let's have like a video call at least to validate that you're a real person, right? Women don't have that. They just fall head over heels based on typing alone, which is really fucking strange. Um, I've seen this happen to, to girls time and time again like complete losers uh, posing as what they are not online, uh, convince girls to fall, convince guys to fall in love with them. Sorry, girls to fall in love with them. Um, it, it's like a weird phenomena. It's like, it's like, it's like the girl brain isn't really built for the internet. And, uh, and when they come here, they start just automatically somehow intuitively responding to things like the follow account, the things people say, they just somehow trust them. They just blindly react. They see the amount of retweets and likes a guy has and they just fall in love. They get like, they start gushing. They get a tsunami of pussy juice. You have to be careful, coach, because if you take down this curtain, then the entire NFT space will collapse. This is the entire premise for all of NFTs being successful. The entire board ape and whatever, the crypto punk is all based on the fact that it gives them this social cloud that they can maybe find a woman, that these beta males can find love in, in some sort of, profile picture that displays their wealth and follower counts and you have to be careful taking down this you might <laughs> all of our bags are going to get shot hmm. yeah i think it's really pathetic in a lot of ways the nft stuff um <clears throat> one of the ways in which it's pathetic is because it's only guys who know the value right <laughs> a girl comes on on twitter she looks at your nft she doesn't know what the fuck it is anyway they're all going to zero pretty soon once the merge fucks everything up. So I'm selling everything and getting out, not financial advice. But yeah, plus, you know, like I was watching a YouTube video and this guy said that literally every single NFT on OpenSea has already been hacked because you don't even really like you don't even really own anything. You own a URL to the image, but the image is not yours. So I'm just I'm getting ready for the major rugs, man. <laughs> Uh, no, and also, well, like I have nothing against um, homosexuals or people of different sexualities, but I've noticed that anyone who owns like a lot of NFTs or one of those bored apes is a homosexual. Yes, hey, I've noticed that too, man. Yeah, that's weird. 
I've heard that at the crypto conventions, NFT conventions, all the board apes will get together. This is a secret rumor, by the way, that stays here. This is a confession, not of a sin, but of other men's private lives. And they get together in a room and they imitate like a sort of a monkey cage. And all the, the board apes, they all men naturally, and they get in the room and they all take their clothes off and they have this, this really interesting sort of orgy from what I've heard. And the idea is that not only do they do sex, they just start throwing bags of money at each other. And it's this weird sort of display of clout and wealth. And what I've heard is that none of them are actually gay. It's just that none of them can really find a woman. So they display their value to women to each other in this sort of performative way at these conventions. I'm not really sure what's going on, but I've heard it to be true, multiple multiple uh, sources. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I'm not surprised to hear that. I was reading some stuff online too that uh, when you look at their logos, man, uh, it's, it's very highly racist. I was shocked. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys heard about that, but it makes me not want to touch ETH or, you know, you know, especially with what VB said about XRP, you know, it's just disgusting, dude. Like this, man, it's sickening. You know, it's just, and and I can see why so many people don't want to touch this stuff. Like they're just like, nah, I'm cool. Oh, oh, crypto. Oh, oh, that internet currency stuff. Yeah, no thanks. You know, so they're just making everyone else look bad, bro. And we're getting hit with all this FUD at the same time. And you have good people, solid people trying to really build and, you got all these scammers just taking people's life savings and rugging them and going off and buying JPEGs with that. I mean, you know, when, dude, when this merge happens, it will shake the whole system. I don't think it's bullish news, to be honest. I'm actually kind of scared because when you redelegate the staking and you want to burn everyone's staked ETH and you want to stop the mining, what are you doing? Like, I mean, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just glad to be part of this community where everyone seems real and you can actually talk to people and connect and not know that they're bots. So I appreciate you guys for this, you know, um, definitely a very small percentage of people here. Mm -hmm. I want to say uh, thank you for um, opening up and being vulnerable about your fears about the merge. Anybody else feel that way? No. Might go okay. So uh, everyone's just kind of meditating on that. I, think I cannot believe you just said that in front of everybody. I'm, I'm shook. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I, I don't know how you could say that in front of all these people. It's, it's all this FUD. I'm disgusted with you, Kutoshi. I'm disgusted. Hurt. Confused. Angry. I'm not sure what to think anymore of you. Well, I think oh, in many ways, what's being revealed here is is um, uh, Kryptoshi's issues with women, right? He's expressing fear about the merge. Like, what do women feel when they hear Kryptoshi express fear about, like, events in digital currencies happening? Uh, they just dry up, you know? Like, for me, whenever I'm going to talk about something like that, I'll say, like, yeah, I'm not worried at all. I'm going to capitalize on it. I'm going to make a fuckload of money. When people fear and scurry away, I'm going to be the one that stands there making money. Right? That, that's the reason I get laid every day with different women of all different nations. Women from the Congo, French women, Belgian women, uh, women from Ukraine, like uh, 
homeless women who've, who've fled their country. That's why I sleep with all of them. Yeah, and yeah, I feel just, personally just disrespected. We... Sorry, I just as a woman, I really need to say that um, listening to Kryptoshi speak and just hearing the the fear and like the trembling in his voice, it it really just took like my vaginal canal and it just like dried it right up. So, uh, no, I, would have... I so, sincerely yeah. apologize for drying up your vaginal canal. Even this, like, even now, like, like your apology just made her dry up further. If you'd been like, I don't give a fuck, like, I don't give a fuck if it's dry, she would get wet. Well, that's how I meant to come off. Because <laughs> my apologies mean zero. <laughs> you know? How can you be so insincere and expect to have trouble with women? How, how, what, what is going on whoa, here? You should whoa, speak from your heart. Whoa, what, are, what are you, deceiving? Whoa. Speak to truth, See, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not interested in anybody at the moment. <laughs> you know? It's just like, I was in love before. Um, you know, I know what that feeling is. But me and my other half didn't work out, you know, personal things and family issues and just uh, a bunch of bullshit. So, you know, uh, I've loved and I've let go. And uh, I mean, in my life where I've seen people get married, it always ends in disaster, at least in, in my life, you know. So for me, I guess I'm 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 scared to open up myself to that kind of vulnerability again um because when i got left before it really fucked me up and i haven't been the same since and um in a way i'm just i don't i don't trust a lot of people you know i, I mean I'm, I'm on here but i don't care anymore you know i just i don't trust people really so it's really hard for me to open up but to you guys i think I, this is all a hope I think this yeah. is all a cope. I think, I think truthfully, you do want to love, but you, you're feigning this sort of apathy and sort of to, to lie to yourself that you are some sort of aloof guy who doesn't truly care. But truthfully, I think you're, you're really desiring a lot here. It's, it's clear to, to the rest of the space. And we're trying to explain this to you that you want a woman, you want to find a woman, and you're, you're clearly in some desire and, and need of, of love. And you, by playing aloof, you are just lying to yourself, and that will that'll accomplish nothing to you. You should admit where you are faulting and, and figure out where that mental block is and then move past it. Okay, okay, you got me. I'm lonely. I'm looking for a mate. I just haven't found anybody yet. Anyone I would be willing to put my time into. I wouldn't say that. I would say the the vision of life you keep describing is like a vision of, of tragedy and disappointment and like heartbreak and stuff like that. And then because you have that vision, because you have that kind of model of the world, um, that view, obviously based on some valid past experiences and things, but because you have that, that, that model of the world, it's like you think inevitably that it's not worth it. Anyone who thinks that would think it's not worth it. Um, but the, the kind of the sad thing is that it's kind of a self-creative thing, right? Like the more you see the potential for disappointment, the more you shy away, the more avoidant you are. Uh, the more you act in a way that dries out crypto pancakes pussy, despite the fact that at the start of the school she was quite attracted to you. You've kind of you've shut down that possibility yourself. You know you are the one who has dried her vaginal canal. It was not dry to start with. I know for a fact because I dipped my finger in there and I felt how lubricated it was. <laughs> hey crypto pancake, I hope you can forgive me and get to know me. 
No, you don't demand forgiveness. You you don't ask for forgiveness. You you, you just you just perform in a way that is to be forgiven. You you keep recycling back to this this idea of asking and and performing and just just do the things that you wish, right? And we talked before about about like how it is to be desirable. You need to stop giving a fuck, really. You need to stop saying, "Oh, I want to get a woman. I want to do this. I want this. I want this." You need to stop giving a fuck. We, we, you need to know that you want it, but just pull it back and say, whether I give a girl or not doesn't matter. The more that you thirst over a girl, the more she dries up vaginal canals, as we've seen time and time again in this space alone. You, you need to take it back, relax, know that, be confident that you'll find someone in time and, and everything will work out. Thank you, sir. I'm hoping for that. We'll see. When, when you can get to a stage of assuming that, when you can just assume that the world is good and loving, and when you can just assume that Crypto Pancake's vaginal canal remains uh, heavily hydrated with water and, and the kind of whatever um, substance seeps from her vaginal glands, uh, maybe the, the same substance that underlies the, the real explanation for female ejaculation. When you can just assume that is always the case, that there is love in this world, that there is beauty in this world, um, that there is peace and happiness and the potential for great joy and great adventure. When you can be in the state of mind that believes truly in all of this and believes in, believes in the possibility that this can be your life in a very natural and inevitable way, then you'll find it, right? It, it's When you talk, uh, Kryptoshi, what you're describing is your attitudes a lot of the time. Um, we all have attitudes. We all have visions of life. And they're all heavily influenced by our childhood, by our bad experiences, by our addiction experiences, all these things. But um, what we don't want to do is believe that these are true, right? They're only true maybe at the point in time where we experienced a bad thing. But that bad thing doesn't expand and describe all of reality and all of our possibilities. Life begins now and love is possible now and peace and happiness are possible now and adventure is possible now. The only containment, the only limiter valve on all of that is your self-conception your conception of what life is and who you are within it and the possibilities that are open to you. When you describe no possibility for love because there are too many rich people or the, the fear of the ETH merge or all these things, you're, you're in a way um, asserting to reality what you want. You're inviting these things. You're inviting disaster. You're inviting heartbreak because that is what you're choosing to see. If you instead talk more positively about love and happiness and the possibilities and joy and uh, having sex with Crypto Pancake, that is what will happen. The first thing to change is your self-concept. If you can change your self-concept, if you can do that, then you'll realize that imagination is the means to your redemption. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I haven't had much time to really dig inside myself lately, uh, especially up on stage. But uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that and I'm definitely going to work on it and look for my mate look i'm just uh, this is man to man like oh absolutely started, sir. when we started this space i think nat i think kt and uh crypto pancake all had drenched pussies right because females <laughs> you have to understand females are innately sexual uh, when they wander around they're they're lubricated like they're they're ready to breed so long as a male rises to the occasion so long as a male impresses and captivates them uh, entices them in, in a kind of a, a, an interesting way. They are ready to be penetrated, man. 
Like, like they're always ready. They, they were in this state of readiness when you joined. And there were three females here who were heavily attracted to you after that story you told about fucking the, the crack bitch. Um, like, <laughs> at, at the point at which you told that, you, you were like, you were demonstrating a certain adventure, a certain like no fucks given attitude, a, a certain coolness. Like, yeah, I, I wander through life and these interesting things happen to me. And like, I give people joy and that's my mission and stuff like that. When you were telling that story, it's like there was like, I put my finger up inside all of these girls here. I put my <laughs> finger inside Nat, I put my finger inside Katie, and I put my thumb inside um, Crypto Pancake because she's got a bit of a wider canal. And when I did that, <laughs> I felt like I felt the, the pussy juice. I, I raised it up to my mouth and I had a little taste. And like nice. Katie's tasted like pineapple. Uh, Crypto Pancake tasted a little bit acidic, a little bit like apple juice. I don't know why. I think she was a bit more um, ambiguous in her desires. And Nat's pussy juice tasted like um, a kind of like a, like when you lick a cinnamon donut. Um, so like I know for a fact that all of them were attracted to you after that story, right? But uh, you kind of fucked up by saying, "Oh, I regret it." You know, I regret that that thing that happened. I feel I feel low. I usually get tens, da da da. And then you went on to talk about the merge and stuff. And that's when they dried up, man. But like it wasn't because they rejected you to start with. You were fully in there. You were fully able to fuck all of them at the same time. Like. I don't know how you would fuck them all at the same time. Maybe two of them would ride your thumbs and one of them would ride your dick or something. But like that was open to you. That was like fully open to you. As a man, like I watched from afar, I listened deeply. I heard it all happen and, and you squandered it. Like, like it was open to you, but you squandered it because you couldn't imagine it happening. You couldn't believe that that could be your reality. Coach, can, can I just say something? Sure. It's, it's even worse than, than you're describing. I mean, I'm... I'm ovulating right now, and everything that he said was so just emasculating in this dystopian emotional wasteland. And that hearing everything that he said was enough to just dry up everything. Mm. So it's 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 a really bad situation. So I just I don't want you to understate it at all. No, I can I can mention more as well. Uh, before this call started, Crypto Pancake uh, sent me pictures of her nipples, and they were like bigger than I've ever fucking seen before, like like so ready to fucking uh, to give milk, like you wouldn't believe, like fucking swelled up, like like motherfuckers, like her nipples were so fucking big, like they were the size of like pool balls, right? Like really fucking big, like like even even the biggest fucking baby would struggle to put the teat in their mouth. Right. So like, this is what you've lost out on. Look, I, I don't want this to be like a, a sense of criticism or something. What I'm saying, Kryptoshi, is that the world is open to you. The universe is always ready to provide. There's like an all you can eat buffet of all the things you could have. Right. It's all right here, right in front of you. The females are right here. Three females are here on the panel. Uh, infinite wealth is possible in crypto. Um, all of these experiences, the streets are lined with crack addict girls. And, and ripe pussies for the taking. Girls who want to have a little experience, a little fun in their lives, right? They're all right here. It's, it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's like you're a little boy looking at a, a window, and there are toys, all kinds of marvelous toys and contraptions and beautiful things and things you can do and experience. And all you have to do is go through the door, you know? Uh, all you have to do is not walk away. What you're doing right now is you're looking through the window, and you're saying, oh, I could never have any of that. And you're walking away. But the door is right there. Like, all you need to do is step through the door and take the pussies. Thank you, coach. This is the time that is easier than maybe most of history. I think nowadays, many men, most men are, are just really weak pussy boys. And, and there's nothing, there's no competition. 
You know, uh, you can walk into any place and you'll see a lot of guys thirsting over girls and none, none of the girls want the guys or they're too desperate or something. You just walk in and you just make normal conversation and uh, all the girls will be attracted to you infinitely more than all these guys who are bending head over heel, all clumsily chipping over their insecurities left and right. All you do is just just be the the simple, confident man that you are called to be. It's all It's all open to you. Uh, I feel like I've learned some very valuable lessons here. So thank all of you, Crypto Pancake. We only say this because we love you. And I only say this you guys because, too. because um, you know, there are three females here who want to breed. Like they want to breed. Um, they want to produce children. Like a, a female's dream isn't to make money, isn't to do anything like that. It's to have children. Right? It's it's too. Why is the vagina of a female always lubricated? It's so she can be ready for that moment that she needs to capitalize on to make a child. You know, whenever there or whenever it arises in a space or whenever else. Um, and they're ready to breed. They're ready to produce children. That's that's their dream to have a family, to to raise a family, to be a mother. Um, for me, it's just like a little bit sad to see somebody, I don't know, squandering the opportunity. And it's not like it's not like it's just you wanting to have sex with them all. It's the fact that they all want to breed themselves. You just need to to make it easy for them. I completely agree. Very, very well said, Bruce. I think um, another thing to realize here is that we have three female speakers. So if anyone would like to come up to the stage and, and try to seduce them, then you're more than welcome. You know, this is a place of abundance. I am not, although, um, like, I have one genetic relation here. KT is my older sister, my fertile, beautiful, 25-year-old older sister who I, if she wasn't my sister, I'd definitely have sex with her. But she's she is my sister, so I won't. So I'm going to say, like, you can speak to her, you can try and seduce her, so long as you um, are polite and, and courteous. Um, and you can also try and seduce Crypto Pancake, and you can also try and seduce Nat. Like, it's 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 welcome. It's all It's all... Like, this is a, like a, an open table for anyone to sit down and to try and seduce the girls here. I um, I think that's a fantastic idea. I'm definitely down to be seduced. So give me your best shot. Yeah, like, I don't want to speak for all the women here, um, but I'm certainly looking to breed. Um, I want to have as many children as possible. Um, I'm trying to catch up to Katie. Um, she's currently at seven births. Um, and I know coach told me that, you know, it's, it's not a race. Um, and that, you know, we'll both reach our full breeding potential at the right time. Um, but I'm really just getting anxious and I want to accelerate that process. Now, isn't it funny that earlier, um, some, there was some talk, Kryptoshi said, like, there are no good females. It's going to be hard, da da da. But now we find ourselves in this space, this this virtual environment, where there are literally females dripping with pussy juice and begging to be penetrated, begging to be impregnated with children. Like, like, how much of a, a contradiction could you see here, right? Like a world where apparently there are no females. Well, like there are three females right here, begging to be penetrated. Are any of you in California? That I don't think you need that. We we talked about how the all, all you need is a tweet to seduce a woman. I, I think you can do a lot with just just your words, your voice, your tweets. 
Look, if you if you can make a girl truly drip, if you can make a girl gush, if you can halve a girl's body weight by making her so wet that she dehydrates herself completely by the expulsion of fluids, then in that case, a girl will come to you anywhere, right? It doesn't matter where she is. She could be in Japan. She could be in uh, that uncontacted island uh, of the Sentinelese just south of India. She could be in New Zealand. She could be in Ghana. She could be anywhere. She will come to you, right? She Her, her breeding... Uh, her breeding nature is such that if she feels wet, if she feels attracted to a guy on Twitter through tweets or voice uh, through spaces or whatever the fuck else, she will come to you. So, yeah, I live in uh, San Jose, California. Uh, that's not too far from Santa Cruz. And uh, we could chill next to the beach and get high and just chill and vibe. So uh, hit my DMs. Is this a job listing? I used... Go ahead, Crypto Pancake. I used to actually live um, in Arizona, so I wasn't too far away from you. Um, But everything that you described and the way that you presented it was just really so unappealing that even if I was there, it's just not something that I would be interested in. Well, let me ask you this. What do you like to do? I mean, I do like to do those things, but the way that you presented it was just so, like, weak and lackadaisical. It just wasn't really appealing. The way that you listed your, like, your, your, your offer was as if you posted a Craigslist ad just into the void. Hi, <laughs> I'm here. Could you please appear if you want? We can go to the beach, maybe, if you'd like. And the truth is, if you are a respectable, confident man, you can get... uh, There's no interest of, do you like doing this? Girls will just follow you and do things. If you play uh, the the most, like, a a Call of Duty, and you express this passion and ambition for this, any girl will just hop on the the duo with you and and get all those... What what do they speak? The kids say, the quick scopes and all this. All, all you need is to just show some passion, some drive, and whatever they like to do is whatever you like to do. Um, oh, actually, I have something to say. What Crypto Toshi's statement lacked was any kind of sensory descriptive information. Like it was too boring. I want to hear some words to describe feelings in his statement, if he's trying to seduce me, that is. See, that's, that's very difficult for me because I'm just like a straight up kind of guy. Like, you know, you like me, you like the way my voice sounds, you know, we're vibing. I mean, But like, what, what if we don't you know? like anything about you? And that's, well, then I guess that's, I I'm guess just, that's, that's just like a genuine question. Yeah, then I, then I guess on to the next one. Right? We're, we're all fishing, right? Here's, here's the interesting no. thing. Uh, okay, there are a few interesting things here. Um, KT, when do you think crypto uh, Cryptoshi last masturbated? I would say by her voice, probably like four hours ago. I'm talking about Cryptoshi. It's a guy. <laughs> you said an interesting thing, though, Cryptoshi. You said, like, if a girl just isn't into me and isn't into my voice, isn't into me being straight up, then, like, fuck it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just wasting my time, right? Like, let's get it on, or what the fuck are we doing? 
you know what's interesting is, is I have like the opposite approach. If I'm like, it's happened many times on a date, like a girl has been like, hmm, I don't think we're like a match. I think we should maybe end it here. And I've just said, like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care how you feel. Um, hmm. I'm going to penetrate you by the end of the night. And I do. And, and, and the reason is that any, any expressed dislike, any expressed distaste, even any description of a dry vagina is, is still a test. It's always a test, right? Even though uh, Crypto Pancake's vagina dried up, she's still inviting you to see if you can maybe make it wet, right? She, she's like, even, even what she was saying there, like, uh, you know, maybe disliking other aspects or the lack of... Um, the lack of sensory richness in the descriptions or anything like that, as Nat said, it's still an invitation. It's like, can you rise to the challenge? Can you overcome my sense of rejecting you? Uh, can you be a real man and just not give a fuck what I say? Like, can you take this, this apparent total rejection and just laugh at it as if I'm your little sister? And can you make love to your little sister despite that? I think what people get wrong, especially a lot of men get wrong is, Men see women in a very, I don't want to say superficial way, but we see the, the appearance, we have types, preferences, it's, it's more like this, whereas men, it, they, like we were saying before, it's like a pixelated face. Girls don't see any image. There's, no, there's nothing about you to like or dislike. It, it's, it's not a part of the equation for girls. It's just about how you act, how you present yourself, how you make them feel. And so when you're thinking like, oh, perhaps you just don't like the certain thing about me. The, the idea is that you make a girl like that certain thing about you through the presentation of yourself, the expression of your confidence, the, uh, the way you make her feel emotionally and all this. I think uh, one important thing here is to, to clarify that girls don't, eat, uh, the girls don't only see you in like a pixelated fashion throughout time. They also see you in a pixelated fashion throughout space. So um, throughout space is like the 3D appearance of your face at any moment in time. And throughout time means that a woman is always in a state of indeterminacy. She's like, she, her vagina is kind of like a, a Schrodinger's cat bo uh, box, right? So it's always like 50-50. It can always be flipped into wetness in the very next moment. Um, you don't want to ever assume that a girl's current response, a girl's current state of vaginal hydration means anything at all about what she will be in the next moment. No, girls don't even experience any sense of permanence about anything, right? So they can hate one thing in one moment and they might love it the next. And they might love something in the last moment, and that doesn't imply at all that they'll, they'll hate it in the next moment or love it in the next moment. It's entirely determined by what the man does, what the man makes them feel in the very next moment, right? So uh, whatever has been expressed here, even really strong dislike or judgment or something like uh, complaining about sensory richness, you can flip that in the very next moment. You are always in a state of indeterminacy. There's always this constant invitation uh, by God and by the female and by the vagina to just man up and fucking take it. It wasn't noticed, but we just had a fourth female enter the stage. We had Dana approach the stage. Seems they have they fallen off now, but I was really excited to get more of this 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 whole uh, entourage going on. I don't know where they went. I'm sure I'm certainly missing them now. Hmm. Um. Maybe the girls could go around and and say what you look for in a Twitter user. Um. Maybe Crypto Pancake, like. If you were to discover an account, uh, a Twitter user with a certain profile picture who is writing tweets, like, like what are you looking for in that account uh, for a breeding partner? Like, what way would you like him to post? What kind of things would you like him to write? Um, 
I'm looking for dominance, um, assertion, um, really just like that, you know, alpha male. Um, if he talks about like butchering meat or um, cutting down trees, but then also talks about like blockchain technology, I think that's like a really good um, intersection of my interests and values. So. Oh, I really like those traits too. But for me, it's got to be eloquence. If you have spelling mistakes, if your punctuation is terrible, if you do not use really big words, then I'm I'm not reading your posts. I'm not liking them. See, that's that's it for me, really. As long as there's eloquence, vocabulary, and good punctuation, I'm pretty happy. Mm. Uh, how about you, Katie? Okay, first of all, is my phone malfunctioning or can you hear me? No, you're just feeling insecure. But go ahead. No, I just messaged Aniki and asked him and he didn't respond to me, which was very rude, first of all. Um, yeah, I guess I also look for accounts that possess alpha energy. Um, yeah, basically that's it. Like, I want that person to just have their presence that makes my vaginal canal very moist. So it sounds like overall, there's quite a low threshold, right? Like uh, Pancake talked a little bit about a guy who maybe chops down trees as well as holding NFTs. Um, Nat talked about eloquence, which really isn't a high demand. There are programs like that Grammarly thing to just correct it automatically, even if you don't write it yourself. And, and Katie, you just talked about uh, general alpha presence, you know, maybe somebody who does something in the world. Um, that's how pathetic 99.9% of guys are. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a nightclub, but if you go in the average nightclub and just look around, um, or a bar or, you know, one of those student parties, if you just look around, like 95% of men are just standing on the walls, not doing anything. They spend the entire night either drinking alone or with their guy friends or like, uh, in this kind of weird voyeuristic, starey kind of lurky state of just like, looking at females and, oh, she's, she's sexy, but just not doing anything at all. Um, if you are one of the very few guys uh, who first actually post interesting tweets, who post about being a lumberjack of chopping down trees, um, if you're one of those very few guys who actually stands for something, who does something, who asserts some kind of physicality and real-life physical presence in, in the lumberjack industry, then you are among the 1% easily. And the females here will feel attracted to you. This happened to me literally last night. I went out and I went to a bar and there was a table uh, full of men and two girls on the side. And they seemed a little cornered, a little afraid. And the men were obsessed with the game they were playing. They were playing Uno. And they were obsessed with, with winning and, and they would drop down to plus two in, in, such, in such fervor. And the girls were so bored, so, so, so unentertained. I simply walked over to them and I said, this looks boring, let's talk. And within moments, they were both looking at me, laughing at all my jokes and the guys were all confused. How did this, how did this man just walk up to the table and start making fun of our plus two, plus four, red, green, blue, as it were. And they, they were all shocked and shook and within, after the game ended, they all just walked away and I just, I had my way with them and I took, I took one of them back to my place and that was the end of it and they, they, they just get so obsessed with 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 this idea of trying to entertain in some sort of whimsical childish way and it's it's so uh, 
I don't know, just, it, it's so simple. Just be entertaining and just, just have a, a normal conversation. You don't need to provide a beach or, or a blunt or whatever it may be. And it's, be simple about it. Don't, don't think too deeply about it. It's quite funny, really. Like, it's like the, you, there's a realization that the only real differentiator you need of other guys is just to do something. Yeah, I literally said, hey, I think you are cute. I like your hair. And no, no, none of the other girls are saying anything. And, and she, she fell as if, like, almost literally just on her knees at that moment. And I was like, this is, this is silly. It's silly when you watch it happen and you think about it. I wasn't processing it at the time. But it's, it's almost like there are no really good guys doing anything anymore. And it, uh, people make it too... They get stuck in their own heads a little bit. They think, oh, I need to do this. I need to have a lot of money. I need to, no, no, you don't, you don't, you don't even need, you don't need anything. I'm wearing a shirt that cost me $2. Uh, people think too much, I guess. Um, I, I noticed that when you were speaking just then, uh, two women left. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> whoops. Like, uh, why do you think that happened? I'm not sure. I'm going to blame Kutoshi. I'll take the blame. Nikki, I'll stay here. Don't worry. Thank you. You know, I guess I've just been so out of, like, the dating scene. I, I don't even really know how to talk to a woman anymore. Like, okay, hey, uh, you're really pretty. Uh, okay, and then I'll just get, like, a, okay, thank you, and that's it. Um, you know, so I don't feel like I should run after somebody like that if they don't show any interest, like, to begin with. And like, am I wrong for that? Like, I know you said you hunt them down, coach, but I mean, like, you know, if I feel like I'm getting deflected, then fuck it, you know? Simply just talk to them. Well, why don't we just ask the girl here, um, Katie, uh, what kind of approaches guys take do you appreciate? Like, if a guy starts speaking to you, what, what is, like, the best way for him to do it? Uh, let me think. Um... Hold on. I have to actually think about this because most are really bad. Like it's the majority of men like truly are bad at speaking to women. Exactly. Right. It's, it's quite rare. It feels kind of natural or effortless. Yes. Like, yeah. So like some girls you click with and others, I guess you don't. Right. You could say that's fair. No, I don't think that's fair because I think most guys take a really fucking horrible approach. So if they're going to infer anything from what happens, like <laughs> it's just a reflection of them, not a reflection of like what the females can be interested in. I see. I guess that's the problem. Like sometimes I guess us guys don't really know what to say or like we're so in fear of being denied. We're just like, hey, why even try? But I guess that's where the problem starts. So I guess I, mean I would recommend. Okay, mm -hmm. never mind. Go ahead. I would say, like, be women like details. And so with your compliments, if you just say, like, oh, I think you're pretty, like, every girl has heard that, whether or not she's pretty or not, like, has heard that hundreds of thousands of times in our lives, you know? So if you just tell a girl, like, oh, you're pretty, like, you're just any other guy, really. So if you can, like, be more specific or be more personable, I think that could help. So, like, I like your nails. Um... I like your purse. I don't know. Like that just no, sounds so, not like so something that's, like, No, not something that's purchased. No, no, no. That's the thing. You have to get creative. 
I think compliments are more like they're not something that you use to earn favor. It's more like it accelerates their interest, right? So first you gain the interest and once you have them a little into you, a little emotionally invested, a compliment will sort of build upon that, right? If you approach a girl immediately and say, I like something about you, it's almost egotistical. It's saying, I, me, man, like thing on you. And it's almost like, why would she care about that? If you get the interest first and show, provide some value, some entertainment, ask her what she's doing, ask her, her hobbies or something, she gets interested in you, and then a compliment will go, you like me, I'm demonstrating now that I like you, and then you can kind of accelerate from there. That's at least my experience. Absolutely. Basically, compliments are just not exactly the bread and butter. I think people think they are because I think it's what a, guy, a lot of guys want to hear, um, but it's not exactly what girls are. It's not. It's like kind of like saying happy birthday to a girl that you don't know. She's not going to care about you. She's. It's. It's almost oh, just like this. This nothing meaning, right? She's. It's almost like obligated to reply in this sort of meaningless way. Just if you're, she's emotionally invested, then she's going to find it deeply meaningful or something like this. And think of the story of like if you're a beautiful girl, and a man you don't know shows up at your door with flowers, you might be a little. What what's the meaning of it? You don't you don't find any meaning of it. Perhaps there's some spontaneity of it or something like that that you can find value in. But if she's interested in you, then she's going to find it romantic and endearing and all this. And it's, it's don't start with this sort of deeper affection. Use that to build on after some time. For me, it's like even the even the question of like asking how do you approach a girl is is kind of like it's at the wrong level. It's it's already at the wrong level. Um, for me, it's, it, it seems to emerge out of like a state, like a state of kind of fun or being a little bit intoxicated with life, just enjoying yourself. Um, it, it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter what, what you say. It's, it's more what your, your state conveys and naturally, um, naturally emanates. I'll give you an example. So uh, one of my last girlfriends, I was in, like I realized, like I looked at my clothes and I realized like I hadn't got a new pair of clothes for like a few years because I just don't pay attention to that stuff. So I went to like a big department store and started browsing around. And I was like really, I was feeling like kind of confused, like what the fuck should I get? I don't know anything about fashion. Um, and then I noticed there was like this really pretty girl who was dressed really well. And I, I just like kind of went up to her and I was like, I'm really fucking struggling here. And um, I'm really confused. Like, I don't know how to dress myself. Like I've got, like I'm, I'm a grown man, but I've got no idea how to dress myself. Please, can you help me? <laughs> All right. So uh, she was like, she was like, she was like, mm. she was like mm. I was like, come over here. Like, like, how about I give you like, um, you know, I want to get like two full outfits. Why don't just help me dress? Like, I just kind of like acted all like naive and like helpless and like like a baby, right? And just like silly. And uh, she ended up wandering around with me around the whole store, like helping me choose clothes and stuff. Like, oh, that looks good. That doesn't look good that is good and like i'd emerge from the the dressing room and she'd be like i'd be like how about this and she'd be like no and then i'd be like kind of acting like i'm frowning like really hurt and upset and she's like hey don't be upset it's nothing personal so we can try a new clothes <laughs> <laughs> and like um, but, then, but then like i was like hey what are you doing now she was like oh I've, I've got to meet my my friends later for the soup for the like cinema or something i was like cancel it just like cancel it and and we'll do something and, and we just ended up wandering around she did she just cancelled it because she was having fun. And we ended up like um, going to a British restaurant, which is called Nando's, like a chicken restaurant. And then ended up going to the cinema and ended up like walking around the town, like the river and stuff. And we just spent a day together. And like what it all happened from was just like that sense of fucking silliness and fun. And like 
I also think like whatever emotion you're experiencing can just be channeled into fun. Like uh, in that moment, like I was genuinely like confused and like, what the fuck should I buy for myself? How do I dress myself? Right. And like, I, I just channeled that into like, just admitting it, <laughs> like, like, please, please help me dress myself. Um, so it's like, it was just fun. Like, just like kind of self-amused fun. Right. It doesn't really matter what you do. Like there's always some kind of situation occurring. There's always something funny occurring. Um, it's just like, can you just take it and channel it? Can you take the invitation? Like, cause it just doesn't matter at all. In, in my opinion, in my experience, like the idea of like women are like a puzzle and you have to somehow say something, you have to somehow like, I don't know, say some kind of compliment you generate that is unique or whatever, like bullshit. Like for me, it's like out of a state of fun and you just draw her into that fun. Or um, maybe it's something you just genuinely appreciate. Like maybe a girl genuinely does have like a, a sense of like a unique uh, feminine energy or something and you just notice it. So you say it, but it's what you believe. It's what you feel. Um, you're seeing her deeply and you're expressing how you feel genuinely. Like it's just flowing out. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I felt that with my ex. Like I didn't even have to try, you know, uh, just like I knew I liked her. She knew she liked me. And it's just like the cosmic forces came together and just smacked us. And that was that. But, uh, I, you know, I guess you have to have a certain type of feeling towards somebody. Like you said, you just you just clicked with that girl in, in a state of vulnerability and you ended up having a good time. Right. So I feel that it just comes down to the right place and the right time. You know, like if you're looking for somebody, you're going to find them. They're going to come to you. Hmm. The, the way I see it is you just like I, I live quite a fun life and I just try and live a fun life and see things playfully and it's like that that kind of basic playfulness and that that approach to life and that vision of of like life is an invention quite an interesting thing um just kind of radiates out it's like a it's like an open room right it's like the it's like if I'm like an individual person it's like the, the walls of the room have collapsed and they're letting people in all the time so like I'm in, in the environment getting clothes or something. And it's like my sense of fun, my playfulness just collapses the walls and allows her in and she can join me for the journey or whatever she wants to do. And even if like, the thing about the way I do it is like, even if uh, the girl has like some fucking silly reaction or something, like, uh, you know, hey, you should dress yourself, you're a grown man. Like, I'm just gonna treat that as play too or something. Or even if she like runs away, I'm just gonna, it's like still a funny story. Right. There's no like um, there's no weird build up. There's no like, uh, I don't know, putting all of my hopes on it. I'm just having fun. Like the moment I'm doing the the kind of approach or the talking to the girl in the first place is fun of itself. Like it's, it's complete of itself. It's fun of itself. So there's no real downside. The way that I see these approaches is like a Chinese finger trap, right? The more that you pull, the more that you desire. To, to meet a woman and the more that you thirst and the more that you express this, this almost overthinking, the, you're just going to be trapped. You're never going to find anyone. You really have to kind of just, you said with your ex, you just kind of, just, you just lived in the moment and just things just fell into place. Like, it's not, like you said, it's not like a puzzle. You, you, you can't, it's almost paradoxical is that to find any girl, you really just have to not care about finding a girl. And I, I think there's a lot to that in the sense that like, yeah, you you get it. You get it. 
Yeah, I get it. It's 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 really like coach makes it sound so easy because coach is coach, but like I don't know, like no, others, it's just that easy, really. I it really is. It's just like, I guess I've been under a rock for too long. <laughs> I think in many ways it's like um, I don't know. I think some guys get into this kind of state, like this playful state when they're with other guys, but then they just like don't do it with girls for some reason. I also think through life and through careers and whatever else, a lot of guys just lose track of this like playful thing. Like <laughs> these, like a, a lot of these, cons- a lot of these like problems, these, these concepts of, of things as difficult problems, like all of that is just bullshit. All of that is like, it's like your intellectual mind is, is trying to take over and trying to solve something that can happen naturally. If you just kind of almost like reverted to a more uh, childish part of yourself that can just do these things from a sense of play. Like in my opinion, like the, the, the amount of times I've just been playing around, like making silly fucking observations, uh, saying silly fucking things uh, to girls, like um, just asking them really fucking silly questions, uh, channeling. Like it's it's common. Like I'm in a I'm in a situation and I find something funny. Like uh, maybe I, it's almost like I zoom out of myself. Like say in the situation where I was like searching for clothes, it's almost like I zoom out of myself. And I find like the concept of like this this uh, this guy like struggling to dress himself really funny of itself, and then I draw her into that like that humor, that amusement of that situation. Um, it's like there's always an invitation, and there's always a way to to reframe whatever you're experiencing in a funny way to draw both people in to like expand it out. And to kind of bounce off this, like I I think there's also a value in this. You could also make it almost simpler in a way. Like what is confidence, right? Confidence is not this sort of brute force masculine sort of Russian and always do it it's confidence in simply knowing that when whatever happens you're going to be fine in the end that's all that that's all it really has ever been right so if, if you fail with a girl you're fine and I've, I've had this multiple times where I've talked to a girl and I, I fumbled the bag and I dropped it and if you if I kind of say oh oh well was me I'm sorry I, I fumbled it, it you, you you there's no chance for you you're hopeless where if you just go ah it's okay I'll find another girl it'll all work out it, 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 it's it's almost ironic on how those exact girls that I fumble with will come right back. Oh, it, it, it it's this this that's what I say the Chinese finger trap. You you get kind of lost in your own mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, guys think they should be in a certain emotional state, like they think they should be in like this state of like I don't know, a kind of a confident like prideful thing or something, and that's the most effective thing. But in reality, you can be in basically any state at all, and so long as you just accept your own state. You can move, like, for instance, I've been, uh, when I was a student, like, I don't know, 19 years old, I was doing loads of experiments socially. And one of the experiments was like, um, I'd, look at a, I'd look at a girl and I'd feel really fucking intimidated and like afraid of speaking to her because of the rejection thing, obviously, and like people watching and whatever else. Like a girl who I'd never like manned up and, and managed to speak to before. And in those situations, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if like I'd go up to her and just admit all of this? <laughs> So, so like there were situations where I like I, I went up to the girl. I was like, I was like, I'm feeling really nervous and scared to talk to you, but I figured like I should try and do it. <laughs> I'd say things like this to girls, like in a really kind of like a uh, like a, a childlike kind of naive, like scared little boy way, and and like they'd laugh and stuff, and they wouldn't believe it because obviously I was the one speaking to them. And then like and then I'd be like, oh, I feel a bit better now that you're laughing because it makes it makes me feel like you don't really believe what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd say shit like that. Like, <laughs> and like it, the thing, funny thing was, like it was all true, but because it was like so honest and open and like in a ridiculous, like playful way, 
they didn't believe it and they thought i was just like some fucking macho guy and inside my like heart and inside my belly inside my my uh, body i was like scared to death but then like it was like my my acceptance of the the emotions i was experiencing my willingness to like go forward and just say silly shit and admit it all openly just like totally transformed it right it, it like it, things like that just made me realize that you can basically be in any state and you can take anything and uh it's almost like so long as the the girl feels that you accept it and the girl feels that it's like something real and, and something playful and you're not taking yourself too seriously then then she'll just be open to it and you can go from there to anything and i think that girl uh that i just mentioned the, the one who i was like i'm scared i think i ended up like sleeping with her that night or something one of these student parties so it was like a mind-blowing thing i was like <laughs> okay like from from thinking like i had to I had to like approach her like super confident, like, yeah, I'm the man, da da da, impress her or whatever. I actually just had to go up to her and like admit I'm really fucking scared and then laugh at myself. And then it worked out. It's quite interesting. Like little insights. Just the, I think one thing I'd recommend to any guy if they're young is just fucking experiment. Like when I was uh, 16, 17, I was quite shy. But then 18, 19 and on, I just started experimenting like en masse, like taking I'm different- taking notes. I'm taking notes, coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did so many fucking experiments, like telling girls all kinds of silly shit. I'm scared. Please help me. Um, <laughs> I work at Burger King, like all these fucking things 24 seven. Like, and like, just, just realize you can get away with basically anything. So long as it like, <laughs> comes out of that state. I've been telling girls that I'm like homeless. Like I'm not, but I've been saying like, oh, I'm getting into trading and the market's down really bad and I lost all my money. <laughs> And I got liquidated last week, and I tried it again today, and I got liquidated again, and they just they just started laughing. They started laughing, and then they'll offer to pay for whatever drink. I'm like, yes, please, I need it. I need it so badly. And where meanwhile, a rich guy on the corner, he's trying, he's he's sitting in the corner trying to think of the best words, the best phrases, the best game, whatever to say. And he'll never talk to her. He'll never entertain her. <laughs> no, life just doesn't work that way, right? Like, I, I think one of the fundamental things is like a lot of guys think of life as like this problem to solve almost like homework to hand in or like a certain key to put in a lock, like, like the, the lock of the girl, you've got to like insert the right lock, the right compliment, the right, whatever. It just doesn't fucking matter. Like it just doesn't matter at all. I have to say, I'm excited for the penis elongation space. I was joining. I've been waiting for months. Yeah. I've been waiting for months. I I need, I need a little, a little extra girth brothers. I keep doing this in, in spaces where I'm like, uh, like, like I'll, I'll name a space like you know do Kwon his like do Kwon was the founder of like terror and luna right i don't know if you guys are familiar i think a lot of you are um but i'll start a space like interview with do Kwon, and then when everyone joins the space i'll say like uh, yeah do Kwon oh, he just left do Kwon <laughs> for five minutes and then like uh about an hour will go by and pe- new people join and i'll be like oh you just missed it do Kwon was here five minutes ago so like do Kwon is always like five minutes in the future or five minutes in the past at all times he's never quite getting there and the penis elongation space is the same. Like whenever it gets, it keeps outboard, getting postponed no. by a week. The outboard, the penis no. My penis is never going to be elongated. I need it now. <laughs> I keep elongating the schedule of it, right? Like, it, <laughs> I always, I always, like, and I realize like I can get like infinite people in. You know, like uh, you can sign up for reminders, right? And it says like how many people are now reminded by it. It's like 133 or something now. Uh, so if I keep doing it for like years and years and years, I reckon I'll get thousands of people eventually joining. I listened to the other day. I uh, had some free time, so I listened to the recording of the uh, CZ space. That was that was <laughs> that was so good. Please, please, please do that again. I like these silly interviews. 
I, I think like a lot of these places. My Starbucks, <laughs> my Starbucks, and my car wash. <laughs> it's good because we were like, um, before we do that kind of thing, we just like have like a two minute plan. I'm like, okay, I'll interview you. You be like CZ or something else, and then we just start. Like, there's no plan at all. <laughs> so we have to like adapt. I could tell. Yeah, I could tell there was like a little bit, just a little bit of framework, and then it just collapsed after a oh. moment or two. The, yeah. The, Framework was only because it was like a real thing. Like it, it really happened. So there was like some knowledge, like some, we had some like mental architecture about it. Like I knew the kind of questions to ask, like intuitively. Um, but yeah, the rest was just like, it's almost like a male game as well. It's like, who can make the other one laugh first? <laughs> <laughs> like a, a battle of sorts. Like who can be more fucking ludicrous and keep a straight face? Yeah, I was listening to that Q&A space the other day, man. The, yeah, the ability to riff. And just continue these bits without laughing. That really, <laughs> that's admirable. <laughs> I would break out laughing, honestly, when, it, when you're talking to these people, these bajits, uh, about, uh, you know, whatever. The Q&A space. I think it changes when you get into character a bit. You kind of lose that. When you listen black, it's, it's all over, but... And yeah. So when you're in the audience, you think, "How do I? How do I keep it?" But once you're in it, you you become CZ. You become the Starbucks man. You become the Doquan lover. Yeah, that's what I feel. It's like it's like um, I don't. It's it's. I wouldn't call it like channeling, but it's like you tune in, and and the the reality of the character you're inside, kind of kind of keeps you outside of the humor of it. Like it's obviously still there, but it's almost like method acting or something, right? It's like you kind of tune in so deeply that you kind of forget like who you are, even though it's really fucking silly. I think also for me, I've just like trained my whole life to say stupid things <laughs> without uh, breaking a straight face. Yeah, it feels like the veil is, is, is falling right now. I'm listening to his honest opinion right now. I'm listening to it. <laughs> Normally, man, when I hear you in the spaces, it's like uh, you're, you're putting up this act so well. You're putting up this, I don't know. There's always some element of truth to it, too. I, I think there's, that's lost in some people. It's not like you're, it's a total farce, right? If there's some... No, there's something to it, right? A lot of yeah. people like morons to say, oh, it's all nonsense. It's all like, uh, who are these clowns? <laughs> I don't know. If you go on like the um, the Lunkdow page and you look at the pinned post where the CZ tweet is and uh, you look at like the replies and stuff, it's ridiculous. Like a lot of people have tagged CZ. They're like, CZ, can you confirm this is real? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. And then there's like these weird fucking like pinhead, uh, like 70 IQ guys who think they know all about business who've commented like, this is such a bad idea. This is going to piss off CZ. When he sees this, he's going to cancel the arrangement. <laughs> These silly fucking things, like like getting really scared and getting paranoid. And there's another set of people who are like, uh, I trusted you before, but now after this fake interview, I don't trust you anymore. And I'm replying like, how dare you offend our guest? How dare you call our guest an, an imposter? Like, get the fuck out, you ungrateful little rat. That page is incredible, man. Over 40,000 followers for the Lunk Dow. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, man. <laughs> How well, many of those don't realize the the joke? How many of them don't realize? Uh, I I think a lot of a lot are just there to make money or whatever. But I've been <laughs> like, I've been like gradually filtering it. Like every day, like there's like hundreds of unfollows, but also hundreds of follows. So it's like constantly in motion. So I'm doing like this. Like it would be really fucking boring if I was just trying to make money, and I just like try <laughs> to grow the page. I think the page could be like a hundred k if I'd taken like a more kind of serious professional approach or something, but at the same time, like my soul would be dead. Right. So the approach I've taken is like, just, just no fucks. Just be really fucking silly. Be myself. And then eventually, I think that's the best oh, way for lunked out. Really? 
Well, the, the idea is like eventually over a long enough timeline, I'll be left with the people who genuinely appreciate like the personality and the fun and stuff. And then it's like perfect for any project. I think it's just so funny that this this obviously complete catastrophe of a crash of, of Loon falling and everything. And then there's Lunkdao in the ashes and rising above and this this ultimately silly thing. Wow, I'm in a tunnel. There's a crazy echo yeah, here. I'm, I'm a Lunkdaoist. I think there's always opportunities. It's cool. I think like like in many ways, I'm just kind of building this thing, this Lunkdao thing. But I think it's like what it really is, is like raw energy and attention and like tribalism um and just like focus and like so long as people love your personality so long as people are into it so long as people like trust you on some level you can just direct it towards anything like any future projects or nfts or whatever the fuck else uh, building things um it's like a, it's like a mass tribal army of, of not particularly intelligent people um <laughs> to be used for, for everything like uh do you remember that the the deep voice book, the thing me and Lucas are writing? Right, is that real? Is that, yeah, uh, it's real. We're like like fifteen pages in or something. Wow, I'm gonna purchase that on Gum Road. He's written like the the origin story. I've written like how to dominate animals with your voice, like <laughs> the the idea that like any disrespect from your dog or your cat, like any disobedience, like peeing on the floor or like not coming home at the right time and stuff, like you know a cat that stays out for like two days doesn't give a fuck, like it thinks it can just walk all over you. Like all the things like that are just caused by a high pitched voice, right? And when you deepen your voice, when you manage to train your, your neck muscles and your diaphragm and you get your breathing correct and you feel grounded in the earth and your resonance gets correct, an animal will automatically, automatically obey you, right? All of those problems you previously considered to be real will just vaporize because it's all about the voice. I mean, I've, I've like written a long critique of like uh, the pet training and the obedience industry, which makes like billions of dollars every year. And like, it's a complete fucking scam. And I had to write this fucking book because if I didn't write this book, then people are going to be paying money based on this fucking delusion, this lie, this lie that pets can be trained. Pets can't be trained. They're, they're just they're, these scared little beings. And the only thing that, that they understand is it's the alpha of males. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I really like this idea of like all these Andrew Tate type followers like obsessing over this idea of voice and then it almost comes after a certain point like a deep voice is the sign of the people who who don't get the plot and they just they they need the deep voice and and it becomes this this like extra like you need high testosterone you need a, a good physique and you need a deep voice and you go to some place and everyone with the deep voice is just this andrew tate I, I like that image of this andrew tate follower i didn't quite follow never mind i'm tired are any of you watching this UFC thing? No. Nah. UFC 278. Uh, Usman versus Edwards. All right, I've got, I've got to go now. Uh, good to, good to hear you guys uh, speak in the space. Catch you another time. Okay, you too. I love you. Peace out. This feels like an appropriate ending. The UFC starting too, so I think I'll watch it. Good night, friends. Lots of love and kisses. Peace, peace. Hey, good night, guys. Thanks for everything. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Confess Your Sins, hosted by Coach Bruce Wrangler, recorded on Saturday, August 20th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening.
In the darkest of times when the phoenix arises Out of the ashes like some burned up papyrus Open the sarcophagus and release the virus Got a lump in your throat like tonsillitis When the flags go up like everyone is righteous Spending government checks sniffing up the white dust The previous generation wants to be just like us Fuck that shit, I'm trying to be like Mike was Drop the bias and you might survive this The mummy coming through to remind your highness I might just buy up my own fucking island Build a little bunker then wait for the timer Count down to zero, day exploiting Every exploit in your internet sex toys And emitting vibrations through the ether Did you just come? Me either If you look at the bright side, we're lost at the right time Blindly following stars in the night sky Part of me might ride away with the prize fight Man versus everything else until the time's right Unleash the cracking. no wait, that was crack Fuck now, everybody feeling all amped up Fucking like bunnies to the national anthem Ugly little shits eating up all our rhythm Mishandling the captions, who has the answer? Holding our attention for ransom Fed up with all the red tape and the boring template Like it matters if it's a blue or red state Charged every month and we can't even cancel Feeling distressed? Fuck it, kill the damsel Fuck yeah, spread it like we're on some undead shit And pass the bitch around like a meme from Reddit In the beginning it was suggested that the mortality rate would be 5% And the numbers are so much higher We're not ready for the next epidemic And so if your oxygen level falls too low and it cannot be kept up with just what we call nasal cannulas or rebreathing oxygen masks, if you can't get enough oxygen from that, then they will intubate the, the patient.